Back to the Matrix. see you there did you not no i can't see you because we're recording a podcast (laughs) yeah i guess that's true we don't i do not have like a webcam enabled no we don't have we don't have video on we're recording a podcast we're not perverts (laughs) i think many people do in fact put video on while recording podcasts yeah perverts oh hey ashley you're here too hey Hey, did, did you remember those Matrix movies that they released like 20 years ago? Yeah, they, they were a real game changer. Uh, they just they just came out with a new one of them. What? what? Yeah. Wow, I can't believe it. Yeah, the Matrix really has me at hello. <laughs> Ashley, thank you for returning to MCU Completes Me for our special miniseries, The Matrix Has You at Hello. Yes, I have now been on <laughs> two divisive... Uh, movies. <laughs> Divisive? What do you mean? Well, the first one was Captain Marvel. The best Air Force commercial ever made. Yeah, which I believe, like, at the end of it, we were like, this isn't that good of an Air Force commercial. No, it's not. <laughs> and now, uh, a movie that I have seen some very, uh, wild takes on in both directions. Yeah, me too. Well, I haven't actually seen that many negative takes. Like, I've seen people be like, ugh, that sucked, but I haven't, like, gone any deeper on the the negative opinions about this movie than that. I have seen some wild negative opinions. I, I can't wait to get into them. I have been... I watched this movie the day it came out, and I have been dying to talk about it, but not wanting to spoil people or burn Pod. So I'm so glad this day has finally reached me. Ashley, before before we discuss The Matrix Resurrections, have you seen a Marvel movie released this year? No, I have not seen any Marvel movies since Captain Marvel. <laughs> have you seen Jerry Maguire? I have <laughs> not. Uh, what about the original Spider-Man trilogy? Yes, I've seen all those. Do you have any opinions on those films? Um, I think they're good. It's been a while since I've seen them, and I definitely want to rewatch them. Uh, but, you know, that was my childhood Spider-Man. It's kind of what got me into Spider-Man, so yeah, I like it. If you had to summarize your complex feelings on the Spider-Man trilogy through some sort of letter grade, what would you give each film? Um, I would probably give... Uh, Spider-Man 1 a B plus. Okay. I think I'd give Spider-Man 2 a A. Mm. And then I'd probably give Spider-Man 3 a C plus. Okay. And uh, how about the same thing for the Matrix trilogy? Um, For the Matrix, I would probably give it an A plus. Wow. Okay. I've rewatched the Matrix trilogy more recently than the Sam Raimi trilogy, but I still need to uh, watch all of them again. Uh, and for Matrix Reloaded, I would probably give it a B minus, and for Matrix Revolutions, I'd give it like a C plus. Yeah, that that's about what our opinions were of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of had the same arc for both of those trilogies. Now, one of the things I liked about this movie, The Matrix Resurrections, 
mm-hmm. ki- kind of retroactively makes those other movies better. <laughs> okay, how do you mean that? Um, it, it kind of... I saw a tweet before I watched this film that said, The Matrix uh, Resurrections completes the series, and like the other movies are incomplete without it. Hmm. And when I read that, I was like... Okay, mm, uh-huh. I, I don't know about that one. Yeah. But then I was watch as I was watching the movie, I was like, mm, I think she was maybe right about that one. Interesting. It kind of weaves together and focuses ideas from all three movies. Huh. <laughs> okay. So you say overall you're you're feeling pretty good about this one. I came in with rock bottom expectations. Came out feeling real high. Cooled a little bit in the last couple days, but still pretty high on it. Ashley, how did you feel about it? Uh, I was, like, having almost, like, a, an anxiety attack about watching this movie. Uh-huh. Just of, like, because, like, I'm like, well, I'd like the Wachowskis, but a lot of Wachowski in particular, and, like, they, as a whole, are really fucked up in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. all of this stuff, and then I was originally going to see it in a theater, and then, uh, you know, we had a bunch of COVID spikes, and I was like... I need to cancel this date I'm going to go on because I just don't feel. <laughs> right. Uh, and so finally I uh, watched it um, on Christmas Day and I came out of it with like, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's kind of the thing where I'm thinking about it and I'll probably fall more on like where I like what I think about this movie as a whole as I talk about it. But I really liked it. Okay. I, this is interesting because I, I, I'm apparently going to be the most negative about it here because I didn't, I didn't hate this movie by any means, but I, throughout the whole like first act, I was like, ooh, now hold on. This seems like it might be, this this might be pretty fucking good actually. And then it kind of like stepped away from the stuff that it felt to me like it was setting up. And I just kind of kept waiting for them like, okay, sure. But like, I, I, I picked up on the clues you were dropping at the beginning. I get where this is going to go. Can we get that already? Not yet. Okay. How about now? How about now? Oh, that's the credits. Oh, that's the end of the movie. You didn't, you never got around to that stuff. I thought you were going to do. Okay. Well, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> and, and kind of, I, I started out pretty high on it and it kind of slowly lost me the more it went on. Yeah, I, I do see what you mean. There's definitely the weight of Hollywood around this film. As the movie acknowledges. Yes, as, as you can see the bits that they might uh, extend in some sort of HBO Max original series. And, well, I, I, I don't deny that there's sort of that vibe there. Mm. To me, it mostly just felt like normal world building that would just be in a movie and, like, stood by itself. Sure. Yeah, we'll get into it as we go, and, and hey, maybe seeing it through y'all's eyes, it'll bring me over more and I'll like it more. I'll say, just kind of thought the climax of it was boring, just, like, action-wise. I just, the zombie bots or whatever just was not very fun to look at to me. I I definitely have heard, like, I have talked about this movie with almost no people. Mm-hmm. But from what I've looked at, it definitely, I have seen a lot of people say uh, that the... Like, yeah, like, the second half is weaker and that the action is no good. Yeah, I might not even go that far. It's just, I don't know. And I get, like, what they're doing with the bots, kind of, at least. But I don't know. It's just, I feel like all three of the original movies had more interesting set pieces than, like, 
them driving their motorcycle through the the zombie infested streets. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I would say the action in this movie is no good. I would say this is also there's a noticeable shift in priorities here from the other movies. Where this is not really like there there is action in this movie, but it's not that interested in being an action movie, right? Um, it's, it's definitely more interested in the character relationships. There's also a shift away from, like, the philosophy monologues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I should say that this is the first Matrix movie to not have Yuan uh, Wu Ping as the choreographer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who is, like, he was one of the main choreographers for a lot of, uh, Jackie Chan's work and... Like, famously, the story with The Matrix is, like, he asked for, like, a ridiculous uh, amount of money. Right, like, he kind of didn't want to do it. He was like, I I guess I'll do it if you give me way more money than you should and also give me absolute creative control over every fight. And the Wachowskis were just like, yeah, sure. I mean, we want you, so yes. And so he was just like, well, fuck, I guess I gotta do it now. Um, but yeah, I, this is, uh, done by the guy who's choreographed a lot of the John Wick movies, Mm -hmm. which I think it's a very different, like, style, even though, like, the John Wick movies is what kind of brought Keanu Reeves back as an action star. Right. It's a very different style than The Matrix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way I would summarize the style of this film versus the original trilogy is this is a movie from the director of Jupiter Ascending and Sense8. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, There's definitely some Jupiter Ascending in this. Also, it's just Lana directing this one, not Lily. Right. Yes. I, I, I don't know how their different views on the Matrix go, but I, I kind of built up a fake narrative in my head, which is kind of based on nothing, mm-hmm. that Lana's focused more on like the, the emotions and the characters, and Lily's more focused on the action and the philosophy. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I, I don't know anything about them. I was about to, like, go off on. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I think, and it's like, I don't know these people. I just know that Lauren Wachowski came out to this movie after losing both her parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know for a long time, neither of them wanted to do a fucking Matrix movie, right? They're like, nah, we kind of finished that. We said what we wanted to say. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I... You know, I don't want to speculate on how much of certain scenes of this movie are meant to be autobiographical, but, you know, wouldn't shock me if they had some conversations similar to the ones Neo has. Yeah, and I think your wondering of how autobiographical is point is the point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the... The knee-jerk thing would be to assume it's 100% autobiographical, and for all I know, it is. But it could also just be them, you know, writing about, hey, what, what, like, let's look at, like, the creative process through this lens, because this is what people go through and stuff, or whatever. You know, I don't want to assume that this is literally, like, that Lana Wachowski was like, well, they're gonna make a Matrix 4 with or without me, so I guess I have to do it, even though I don't fucking want to, and I'm gonna be miserable the whole time, but it's better than a shitty Matrix movie getting made, I guess. You can tell it's not 100% autobiographical, because they always talk about the trilogy as one unit, and they never talk about how people didn't like the sequels. Yes. I all There's a line, I think, where someone suggests that nobody liked the first one and liked the sequels way better. 
<laughs> which is funny to me. <laughs> that, that's how they. That's how like they like the the notes they changed. Yeah, like, I think one of the the guys like corn like corners Neo to like just you know kiss his ass and just like listen. I know that first one wasn't that popular. I loved it. It changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really. Yeah, and like we're kind of talking about the movie as a whole. Yeah. You were talking about uh, how Lomachowski maybe like didn't have a fun time on this. And, it, and that seems, especially in this first part where Neo is forced to work on a new Matrix. Right. <laughs> like what the thing is. But I have heard some like behind the scenes things where she apparently was like fucking feeling it. Having a great time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like I said, don't really want to assume that the the Mr. Anderson stuff is is meant to be a reflection of this movie. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Uh, this movie starts the exact same way as the original Matrix. Yes. Like, shot for shot, it's the stuff with, like, the SWAT team finding Trinity in, like, a shitty building. But just a couple little things aren't the same. Yeah, it looks a little bit weirder. Things are just a little different. And also... There's two people here. There's like yes. a, a guy with a Dragon Ball Z scouter and some lady with blue hair and pronouns. Yeah, they put blue hair and pronouns in the movie. Uh-huh. Her, her name is Bugs, like the bunny. Like the bunny. Like the bunny. You see, because Bugs Brunny is a crossdresser. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what's a, a little kind of a weird little thing about this movie? What's that? Kind of expecting more trans people. Yeah! I was really expecting at least one, yeah. I thought for a bit that the lady who says that she was inspired by Trinity was trans. Mm-hmm. With, like, the shoulder tattoos. Oh, sure. But, but we, yeah, yeah. I, like, looked up the actress and she's not, so. Mm-hmm. there, There's one guy who plays a character named Bobby who is trans, and they had, like, a Marvel-style press release just like they did for Spider-Man Far From Home about God. how Warner Brothers is breaking new grounds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it just when it's someone who is trans in control nominally. Right, right. It just kind of sucks to not have it just be, you know, when they were talking about Bugs's backstory and like how she saw Neo but didn't, like it wasn't him but she knew it was and it changed her life. For a split second, I thought they were reviving the plotline from The Matrix Online about the woman whose name is an anagram for Thomas Anderson, like, waking up from a coma shortly after he dies. And that was gonna be Bugs' backstory. Yeah, I... Yeah, I thought that we were going to get a Switch-like character in this. Mm Mm-hmm. Where someone who, like, presents or, like, is, like, shown in the real world to maybe be, you know, one gender, like, you know, like, presenting as mask or femme or, and then is not that in the other or, you know, just something like that, but it really doesn't get it. The the most it gets into kind of a lot of the gender talk is the reference to what people think of the original Matrix trilogy. Yeah, there's one line where somebody says the original Matrix trilogy is a trans allegory, and it's said in, like, the same breath as other people, like, giving alternate readings of it. Yes, it it's said right against its crypto-fascist propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this initial scene, yeah, Bugs and Seek are watching the first scene of the Matrix play out, but things aren't quite right. This 
is not Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity. Um, Agent Smith is black. That's new. Yeah. He still does do the your men already deadline, which is very cool still. And eventually, as this fight scene is playing out, Trinity is not doing as well as she did in The Matrix, which Bugs knows. Bugs is a fan of The Matrix. And knows this is not playing out right. Yeah, the thing of this movie is that every new character is a fan of the Matrix. Right, Bugs is the ride into Neo's solid snake. (laughs) Then, yeah, Bugs and Seat kind of get noticed by the agents during the fight, and uh, they start getting chased. And uh, the I had to stop the movie to pump my arms and hoot and holler as Bugs dives into a key shop. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, the Keymaker! Bring him back! They put the Keymaker in this movie, but not really, but they put references to the Keymaker. You know what? I saw too many keys and it made me happy, so (laughs) I'm not gonna complain. Uh, And also, they use the Keymaker's shop to dive into, like, the back door hallway from Reloaded. I love that when Bugs is found out, she's just like, alright, I'm gonna leave, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, this hallway stuff is... Probably among, like, the best stuff they do in terms of, like, playing with the Matrix to make cool action scenes. Yeah, yeah, because, like, the gravity shifts as they go through the door. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of the only time they do it. So, Agent Smith, uh, chases her through the hallway and drags her into Neo's apartment, which is empty, and, uh, they kind of have their guns on each other and start talking to one another, and, um, Bugs reveals to Smith that this is a modal, which, they're gonna spend a lot of time explaining what modals are and why you would use them. I sure thought that was gonna come back in a big way at the end. (laughs) Because they really make sure you understand, no, 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 this is like one thing that's just looping over and over to train up a computer program. And I'm not really sure, like, who made this or why. Really thought there was going to be some, like, third act twist where with a modal thing happening, you know? Well, like, the entirety of the movie is all about loops. Sure, of course. Yes. The, the, the modal is a metaphor, you see. Sure, I get that. I guess I just assumed that it was going to be something like... Oh, yeah, no, Neo died in The Matrix 3. This is a program uh, or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I jumped to too many conclusions about where this movie was going and then got huffy when it didn't go there. It, it He he did die then, and it's kind of a simulation just too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, because my I've been thinking about Eidolon for a year, I was thinking, oh, this is like Eidolon. Sure, yeah, yeah, also that. Yeah, if if it's not going that way even, just this also introduces the idea that you can have, like, nested layers of Matrix inside the Matrix, and that also doesn't come back at all past this first scene. Um, It just seems, they spend a lot of time explaining all this stuff to make sure you understand it in a way that seems like understanding it is going to be important to where the movie is going, and it's not. And I guess that's fine. Well, they have to explain why they didn't cast Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, no, well, they failed to do that. (laughs) That's one of my biggest problems with this is I didn't need Lawrence Fishburne to play this Morpheus Agent Smith role. Mm -hmm. I would like to see him in the movie. I'd like to see him in the movie, and also, he could have played this Morpheus Agent Smith role, and he would have been good. Yeah. Like, I think this actor does a totally fine job. I like him in it. He's fun. Um, But also, think about the oh shit factor if the agents got out of the car at the start, and it's Morpheus there in the agent suit. That'd be a great moment. Yeah. I guess they wanted to, like, play with expectations of where this guy's allegiances lie, but that gets thrown away pretty quick. That gets thrown away so fast. 
Uh, yeah, it seems rude to Lawrence Fishburne to not have him in this movie. <laughs> and I, yeah, like, as I was, like, going into this movie, that was, like, my big expectation. It's like, because yeah. there's all, like, that weirdness about him not getting cast. And I was like, I think they're, they're, they're pulling one on us. Surely they're just holding him back. They're going to have a third act twist where he's here all along. Surely they didn't make a Matrix movie without even calling Lawrence Fishburne. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the the tension here is I do actually like this Morpheus variant in like a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't understand why it's him here. Right. Or if it's going to be him, like Ashley was saying, put the real Morpheus in the movie in a different role. Like, I would even accept a like flashback of like Niobe talking to Morpheus. Something. Yeah. Or, and, like, just like. It feels weird for this to be like a like return to form kind of thing and be so focused on Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss and then just kind of throw in a statue of Lawrence Fishburne. Uh-huh. I agree. Yeah, each each act of this movie kind of mirrors each of the Matrix films. And this Morpheus is also, like Morpheus, gonna kind of disappear after the first act. Yeah, they don't. I think he is the most interesting character they introduce in the first bit, and they do nothing with him in the uh, the end of the movie. Like, I want to know more about this guy's, like, inner journey as he, like, learns about who he is and, like, what he exists to do and stuff. That sounds like a cool character. I wish I got to know more about him. I do like that he is, like, and, like, this goes for a lot of it. Uh, that he is specifically a fan of Neo and not a fan of the one like original Morpheus was. Right. Like in the trilogy, it's all like, oh, you the one? Right. And like, yeah, like now it's like, oh, you're, you are Neo. Like I've read all about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just think that's a cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little twist. Um, but yeah, so they just like, she bugs gives, uh, agent Morpheus the pill choice. And he points out rightly that this is a stupid choice. And like, it's not even really a choice. Uh, but she takes the red, he takes the red pill. Um, it is not made clear in this moment how a program could be awoken from the matrix. We will basically get that later. Uh, because now we gotta meet, uh, Thomas Anderson, world-famous game designer, winner of the 1999 Jeff Keighley Game Awards. Yes. I I was just gonna say, I I like, like, just the quick montage of this Morpheus realizing that this is fake and by specifically noticing the repeating pattern in a, his, like, shower mirror. Yeah, he sees, like, water droplets running down his mirror that kind of look a little bit like the Matrix Digital Rain. Yeah. And then, yeah, he touches the mirror and it, like, ripples, which is neat. Uh, also, he gets, like, drunk off the red pill. He's just, like, staggering around. Yeah, there's a good bit where he ends up going through a door accidentally to where all the other agents are. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, trying to hold it together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Lana invented a new effect for this film where I guess they film scenes at like 8 frames per second and 120 frames per second at the same time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, which they will use later with the analyst. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they escape, and now we meet Tom Anderson. And let me tell you, when they just cut to actual Matrix toys, I started... I. 
got up from the chair I was watching this in and started, like, pumping my fist walking around the room. Yeah, you reacted to that the way I reacted to the keys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely an Ashley-ass fucking move for this movie to pull. Oh, it's so me! <laughs> How did you feel when you saw that the Game Awards existed in 1999 in this reality? Wait, is it 1999? Yes, because yeah. it's the year The Matrix came out. Yeah, they they very, like, specifically don't go into, like, what the original Matrix game looks like. Right. Because, like, they, they show, like, bits of the movie because that's actually what they're talking about, but, like... I just, I really wanted them to just, like, use, like, Enter the Matrix graphics. Yeah, they should have used Path of Neo. Yeah. <laughs> this is a world where Path of Neo is the greatest game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I like that in this movie, like, they have, like, a huge thing of PR Blitz at the Game Awards, and in this movie, Neo gets a Game Award and then tr- jumps off a building. <laughs> That's that is true. <laughs> uh, Neo is currently well. He, as far as he knows, he's not Neo. Those are you know he has. Those uh, are the fictional characters that he made. Right in in the reality, he has been that has sort of been constructed around him. He has like some severe like dissociative disorders where he has a hard time telling where, like, you know, reality ends and the Matrix starts. He keeps thinking he's the fictional character from the video games he made 20 years ago um, and has to, like, you know, control that about himself. Hey, quick question. Does the does Neo's, like, little, little guy who's, like, enthusiastic with them at work, does he remind you a bit of Jeff Gerstmann? I saw this tweet. <laughs> He does. He does look like Jeff Gersman. I, I I could like after I saw that, I'm like yeah, I can see that. There are people in this world that look less like Jeff Gersman than this guy. I I remember a classic Jeff Gersman bit where he talks about how he doesn't like the Matrix because he doesn't like movies where hackers make up scenarios to make them look cool, even though they're just <laughs> sitting in a chair. <laughs> I wonder if Lana listened to that and took it personal. <laughs> Yeah, because this guy fucking sucks. Oh, he sucks so bad. I definitely could see them like, we're looking for a Jeff Gersman type. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, uh, this guy, I forgot his name. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Jude Gallagher. Yeah. They end up going to a simulate. Yeah, Simulate is the coffee shop they like to go to. Um, and he's just ranting and raving about how great the Matrix was. And how he failed seventh grade because he kept playing uh his game. Thomas Anderson is not interested in that. He's he's interested in MILFs. <laughs> they do call <laughs> Tiffany, played by Carrie Ann Moss, a MILF. <laughs> it's oh man, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just that guy going like he just goes like milf alert. Uh-huh. Like he can tell that uh Tom has a crush on Tiffany, who he's never actually talked to, so he decides to uh be an asshole and force them together. It like he is doing such a bad job at being a wingman. Yes. Uh but yeah, Tiffany has two kids and then her husband Chet shows up. Uh-huh. Chad. Chad, Chad. Right, because we have to deal with uh, the Chad Chad versus the Virgin Tom. Uh, Chad is actually played by uh, Keanu Reeves' stunt double. Is that true? Yeah. That's so good! And his name is actually Chad. That does bump this movie up a little bit for me. (laughs) 
Um, and the, I was gonna say we get here, but it just, uh, the person that we see playing, like, how everyone else sees Neo is Carrie Ann Moss's husband. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, we should also say, yeah, every now and then, we will catch a sight of Tom's reflection, and he looks nothing like Keanu Reeves. Apparently, he looks like, uh, Carrie Ann Moss's husband, except they really, they, they do not film that man flatteringly. No. <laughs> And Tiffany also looks different in the in a few times. Yeah, yeah, we don't see that as much, but we can see that. Yeah, in now and then you catch a reflection of her that is like a blonde woman. Yeah. Also, this kid, the kid, just asks, "Hey, man, you could have fucked my mom or what?" <laughs> yeah, you do get an immediate vibe between Tom and Tiffany that you know, hey, there's something here. Uh, but you know they're they're broken up before that can go any further. I will say one thing I was pretty critical of the old Matrix movies on is that I think they did a bad job of selling the romance uh, between Neo and Trinity. I think this movie does a much better job on that front. I buy that these two people have like a deep emotional connection to one another. Yes, yes. That the acting from uh, Keanu and Carrie Ann is also a lot better. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah. I also think they just give more for Carrie Ann Moss to do. Agreed, yes. That's kind of the whole point of the third act. Yes. Tom gets called in to talk to his boss. What's his boss's name? Uh, Smith. Well, yes, but what's his actual, like, what's his, you know, blue pill name or whatever? I think it's it's Smith. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he calls Tom in to talk because um, Warner Brothers, their <laughs> parent company, has decided to reboot the Matrix video game franchise. Uh, yeah, again, that was another fist pump of me. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> when they name-dropped Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also, this is when we kind of start getting uh, a thing we'll get from the majority of this first act. Yeah. Where someone will say something similar, or there'll be a similar shot to something from the original trilogy, and they'll just play that clip. Lot of archival footage of the original movies. Yes. And it's always in like very short clips, but there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I do really like how uh they have updated, you know, we see like Tom's boss in the original Matrix, and he's just like, you know, shitty like dude in a white shirt and a tie who's just like a mean boss. And they've updated like the shitty corporate computer environment for this movie, so it's more like uh like startup culture type shit. It's like Google where everyone just like you know, we're here to have fun, but also get to fucking work. You know what I mean? This is a guy who loves football and loves family and loves Jesus and sells mattresses online. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy who advertises during podcast breaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the actor, uh, it was like the Jonathan Groff is also the main dude in Mindhunter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'd love him in. Mm-hmm. And he is given a a very weighty title to hold in this movie. Definitely. And I don't know if he, I don't, I don't think he does go, as good as Hugo Weaving in the original. <sighs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're not asking him to do a Hugo Weaving impression, which is probably the right move. Yes. I, I feel like I don't blame him so much. I mostly feel like... They knew they had to have Agent Smith in this movie, but didn't have a very good idea of what to do with him. I think he works really well in this first act, but the longer the movie goes on, the more I'm like, why are you here? Um, There are a lot of things in this movie where when they first appear, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know about this. But then they win me over by the end. And Jonathan Groff Smith 
He is just Smith, not Agent Smith. He's no longer an agent of the system. Of course, yes. Jonathan Groff Smith really won me over by the end as this, like, shitty Vegeta-type character who just keeps bothering Neo. He is a Vegeta, that is true. I like how we had completely opposite arcs with this movie, Crystal, where you were like, eh, and then got won over more and more, and I started off like, yeah, and it lost me more and more. I, yeah, there's, yeah, moments for me throughout, but I was... (laughs) I, yeah, and part of, like, why is Smith here is they kind of, Lana kind of wrote herself a out for that by saying, oh, it's the analyst trying to recreate the Matrix, and so he just feels like, well, of course you gotta put Smith in there. No, sure, yes, I just feel like he doesn't have, like, a character arc, and he should. <laughs> His character arc is just like, ah, fuck this guy. Yeah, the, like, the way that they especially frame at the end it feels like it's like oh we'll have to deal with him later and then it but it's not going to kind of feels like this movie's trying to set up for like a full revival of the matrix as a franchise like kind of feels like they thought hey you never know maybe we'll get a matrix 5 after this this feels like kind of a, a conclusive statement from Lana, at least. Yes. Maybe. I feel like you could cut it either way. There are elements that feel very final and conclusive and elements that feel like, well, hey, we never really got around to talking about that. Maybe, you know, hey. I, I feel like what they may be setting up for is another Animatrix. Which would be good, I think. <laughs> I'm good with another Animatrix. If you want to talk about, like, the power creep from Matrix 1 and then them, like, having to be, like, uh, new agents that make it hard again. (laughs) Right, uh uh-huh. Like, the power creep, like, that they would have to do from this to the next one where where Trinity and Neo end up. Right. Would be fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the purpose of Smith in this movie is this is a movie that really this is a feel good movie. It wants you to be happy at the end. Right. It's kind of uh, going a different direction from the very like apocalyptic, bittersweet revolutions. Definitely. And they want to show like, hey, Smith, even he can be not redeemed exactly, but turned into this like semi reformed Vegeta figure who's. He was no longer this apocalyptic threat, but is just this annoying guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this it's definitely a lot of, and it's something that a lot of people have like brushed against with the Wachowskis and like disliked is that they are really like heartfelt, you know, very yes. hard on their sleeve, which leads to them making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, sometimes uh, the things in their heart are bad and should not be on their sleeve. Yeah, but like, you know, the like the ending of Speed Racer. Yeah, totally. Is their true form just as like, you know, like the ending of the first Matrix with like fucking Rage Against the Machines is. Yes, 100%. I guess for me, the thing with Smith in this movie is that, you know, we talked about this, Crystal, that Smith doesn't, he he deserved to have a stronger character arc in the original movies and he's a little underserved because he just becomes like, you know... A, a force of nature, basically. He becomes no... a river of ham himself. He becomes a river of ham, yes. Uh, so, th- seeing in this movie, like, oh, they're bringing him back, and he's in, like, a weird new, um, like, status quo. This is an opportunity for them to, like, go back and actually, like, flesh him out properly. And then when they don't do that, it just kind of bums me out all over again that Smith 
gets done dirty in those first movies. Um, did you know that sometimes, uh, you know, like th- therapists and prescription medication can be used to control you? Yeah. So yeah, during yeah. this meeting where Tom is hearing that uh, they're making the Matrix 4 with or without him, so he better fucking like get in line and make it, he starts clearly having like a panic attack. And sees Smith's uh, mouth closing up like his did in the first Matrix. And then to just cut from there straight to his therapist? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's played by Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, in bright blue glasses and a blue suit because, you know. Fuck subtlety. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Fuck subtlety. Um, how do we feel about the way this movie tackles therapy and psychiatric medication? I, there is a, um, Emily Vanderwerf, who is a critic I have a lot of differences of opinion with. Yeah. But think is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote a pretty good, uh, discussion piece about how you can definitely read this movie to have a, like, go off your pills, man. And, right. But... It is clearly much more a, at least to me, like, I am reading it in, like, a more generous way mm-hmm. of that this is using the language of, right you know, therapy and in and, and the way that a lot of, like, abusers will <laughs> if, you know, these woke things <laughs> to, like, you know, to be controlling. I feel like... You can definitely read it in a very negative way, in a way that kind of grosses me out. I don't think the movie does very much to, like, explicitly reject that reading of it. That just, like, ah, uh, yeah, your your pills are just controlling you, your, your psychiatrist, whatever. I think if, yeah, if I'm trying to be more generous about it, then I you can come at it from the angle of, like, you know, sometimes people talk about, well, it's not that you have depression it's that the world sucks and your life sucks because we live in fucking capitalism and it makes everything worse and like yeah i guess it's good to learn coping strategies for that but the problem isn't with you it's with the world around you not treating you right and therapy is kind of like a um a co- it's a coping meta- uh, mechanism it's a coping mechanism that treats it like it's a personal problem and not a problem with the greater world like it's your fault for not being happy as opposed to the world uh being in a miserating place Yes, the, the, there is room for a nuanced discussion about the ways that medication and therapy are genuinely helpful, but are also used to, like, maintain the status quo by an evil medical system. Yes. But I don't think this movie really does that. I feel like this is pretty straightforwardly go off your pills. Yeah, I I, I can kind of see both reads to it, and I, I would have a hard time arguing against either. And I I kind of wish I could argue more against the go off your pills reading of it because it's not good. The, the the shot in like the white rabbit montage where Neo is just dumping all of the blue pills. Yes, that really that is like the point where I'm like, uh, uh, uh. right. Well, and the fact that his medication is specifically the blue pill that keeps you blind to the world around you, like that's not that's not how psychiatric meds work. I mean, but then he also t- he takes another pill to get free. Yeah, but that's supposed to be like code for drugs. Or estrogen or... <laughs> sure, yeah, I guess, yeah, estrogen. It's either estrogen or, uh, like, fucking... Acid. Yeah, acid or whatever. Yeah, it's... <laughs> or both. It can just be both. That'd be a hell of a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> 
here's the dumbest fucking question I'm gonna ask tonight. What do we think they're trying to convey by changing the pills from gel caps to capsules? Uh, because they can be shiny now. Okay, yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> Neo's game company, by the way, is named uh, Deus Machina. Yes, which was the name of the machine god from the end of Revolutions. Yeah, and, you know, it's an obvious... <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we get this montage, which is probably the highlight of the movie for me, in spite of the fucking dumping out the blue pill scene we just talked about, uh, where it's just like Tom is trapped in just like what seems like a just literal endless loop of meetings about how you make a fourth Matrix movie, because like conversations are being repeated without any progress being made. What made Matrix different and effed with your head? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, we we gotta flip the WTF switch in their brains. It's mind porn. <laughs> and yeah, we just gotta get a new bullet time. Yeah, everyone's arguing about, like, you know, what is it that made the Matrix such a phenomenon in the first place, and how can we fucking, you know, uh, recapture that? Yeah, and they're arguing whether it's the philosophy, whether it's the the gunplay, whether it's a trans allegory, whether it's crypto-fascism... Yeah. Also, everybody's on their phones. Yeah. And none of them talk about the connection between Neo and Trinity, which this movie positions as the core of the Matrix. Yes. To which I would say, you should have written a better romance if that's what you felt like. I, not like, I, just as someone who has had a giant emotional change Uh after coming out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I said I I do really like the romance stuff in this one. It's just I don't they're they're horny for each other in the old trilogy. They're not in love with each other. Those are different things. Yeah. Um oh and specifically the guy who is uh saying that uh he didn't like the first one like some of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wants big dumb action. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, like, Tom and his personal life is clearly not doing well. He's, like, falling over a lot. He's having, like, weird dissociative episodes constantly. It ends with him in a bath with a duck on his head. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Does, uh, because we're gonna learn eventually that Sati is one of the people here. Was, did she ever say her opinion on what the Matrix is about? Um, I think she says that this cannot be another retread. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we see her at the, like, the coffee shop. Um, but the, the next scene is a, another, is it, Trinity and Neo having, like, an actual sit-down. Oh, also, I like the bit in the, the montage real quick where Neo's having himself a steak. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah, and he, he fucking raises his glass to no one. Yes. Like Mr. Reagan. Yeah. He wanted to be an actor. <laughs> he did want to be someone important like an actor. Uh, but yeah, we end up, he's back at the coffee shop. Now we get the coffee shop AU fanfic. Uh, and uh, Tiffany has now, has Googled Thomas Anderson and is like, kind of knows a bit about him now of like, like, oh, so like, what's it like, you know, being a, a famous game designer? Yeah, yeah, and he's just kind of like, eh, I don't know, I, I, I got a really expensive therapist. And it, again, it, you could definitely read this as like people coming up to the Wachowskis and like, oh, you made the Matrix, and yeah, they're just like, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, although I definitely, you know, again, I feel like they have a good emotional connection here, where she's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you're just a guy. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> she asks if uh if he based Trinity on her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the idea that 
Tom has been watching Tiffany from afar for 18 years. Right. It's a lot. It's called a slow burn fic, Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's because to her and to Neo, she looks exactly like Trinity and to everyone else she doesn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also we are going to learn that like, uh, I, the impression I get from the analyst's big monologue in like an hour is that this matrix is maybe not as, um, like concrete as the old one. And I think that gets, you know, sort of affirmed by how like loopy all the like business meetings are where it's just like the same conversations being had over and over with just different people in the same spots where like my impression is this matrix is much more dream logic-y where like this is the first time they've met and also it is not the first time they've met yeah the, the that the first you know trilogy has the architect which is all like logics and facts <laughs> yeah yeah and you know hey listen we tried to build you the perfect matrix but too many people died so we had to like you know, find the right, like, percentages of of bad. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and the analyst sees himself as an artist. He is Algae Rhythm from Space Jam 2. <laughs> He's Algae Rhythm from Space Jam 2 combined with Ben Shapiro. Yes. <laughs> because he talks a lot about facts versus feelings. Yes. But he, he's like, but feelings are good because we can manipulate them. <laughs> right, right. You know, oh, they're, they're so much mushier. We can, we can mold them however we want. Um, but yeah, uh, Tom and Tiffany have a nice long conversation at the coffee shop. They make like uh, a connection. But then, uh, you know, ah, bad timing. Tiffany gets called away by uh, her kid having a Lego up his nose. Yeah, every time that they start connecting, something happens with one of the kids. Yes. Yes, because if Neo is being controlled by, like, his job and his fame, uh, Trinity is controlled by her husband and kids. Yes. But there's been an emergency uh, at the game company, and Neo gets a text, which is a lot less cool than getting a phone call. (laughs) It's a lot less cool than having someone mail a phone to you, and then it rings as soon as you open the envelope. I mean, one of the coolest scenes of all time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I should also say, one of the reasons I say this movie, like focuses ideas from the original trilogy is they use language um like tiffany says i i remember wanting a family but did i just want that because women are supposed to want that how you know if you want something or if you're upgrading if your upbringing programmed you to want it and they keep using language like that like connecting like humans being programmed or being like machines which is, and those ideas are in the original trilogy. Like, that's what the Merovingian talks about. That's kind of what Morpheus talks about. Right. And kind of it's what um, Sati's parents talk about from, like, the opposite angle. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they never quite made this framing before. And I think having it here ties a lot of things together. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he... It's just like, okay, this is another hallucination, um, or someone, like, fucking with me. He, yeah, he fully thinks it's someone fuck with him, because he's, like, to about that Jude, the the, the Jeff Gershman-looking motherfucker. Uh-huh. He's like, Jude, what the fuck are you doing? This is not the time to fucking roleplay. Right, but it's not Jude, it's Morpheus. Uh, in uh, uh, just a cool suit. Yeah, wears a lot of good clothes. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Tom is 
uh, freaking out because uh, a video game character he programmed is in the real world with him. Yeah. And wants to give him a red pill. And he's like, no, fuck this. Fuck off. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think the actor uh, who is playing this Morpheus, Yahya uh, Abdul-Mateen. Yes. I, he is great in this scene. He's a lot of fun. Like, yeah, it is... My my complaints about the lack of Larry Fish have nothing to do with him doing a bad job. He's great. Yes, because he is just talking about how his introduction to Neo sucks compared to the old Morpheus's. <laughs> right, yeah. We're like, oh, he's got the coolest entrance of the whole thing, and I'm coming out of a stall. <laughs> uh-huh. Is this also where we start to get, like, like why he exists, which is that, like, yes. Neo couldn't, like, because of the fucking stuff with the analyst and, you know, his prescription blue pills, he couldn't just leave the Matrix, so he has been using his modal to train up an artificial Morpheus that could liberate him. Yes. Um, and basically, you know, like, both, like, to liberate him and also, like, as a, like, thought experiment. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, well, if the Matrix, if all of the hallucinations I'm having are real. Right. Then this would be the person who would save me. Yeah. Um, he is desperately trying to convince himself that he is just having an episode as the SWAT team rushes in and explosions start going off. The sprinkler system uh, kicks on. Morpheus is just murdering cops. Glad we got back to what really matters about the Matrix, which is cop murder. I was going to say this. I, I guess he does technically murder cops in this movie, but this movie is not that concerned with, like, the politics of we need to kill the oppressors. It's more about, no. like, the emotions of Trinity and Neo. Yeah, it's not focused on, like, humanity. It is just focused on the main characters. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Morpheus does kill, like, a dozen cops in this scene. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I'll take it. Also, I I like that in this one, it, the, the mirror is now the exits instead of phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, Smith walks out of his office and seeing all the gunfire and the, you know, sprinkler, like, rain and just a gun at his feet, it, like, activates him and he remembers who he is by just <laughs> screaming Mr. Anderson at the top of his lungs. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's goofy in the way that, like, Hugo Weaving's, like, villain laugh was goofy. Yes. And, like, Neo is, like, just straight up, like, oh, fuck off, no, no, no. Yeah, he, like, just falls to the ground, and he is trying to use the, uh, techniques that his therapist has given him to, like, ground himself so that he can escape his hallucinations as Smith just points a gun at his head, and things just kind of start getting weird and wobbly around him, and he finds himself in his therapist's office, which I feel like, again, like suggest that maybe this matrix is less like directly causal like yes. this feels like the analyst just sort of oh hold on let me just uh rejigger a couple variables real quick this went off the rails yeah he's safe coming here he said yeah you're right he is safe coming <laughs> i also like the way this action is shot where it's not really the focus of the scene like there's a lot happening in the background as the camera focuses on neo trying to calm down yeah, like, Morpheus is having a Matrix fight scene in the background that we don't really get to see. Yeah, um, and yeah, he he sees the cat, which is the thing that the analyst uses to reboot things. Right, right. The cat's named Deja Vu. Yes. Yeah. They put a cat in the movie. They have put a cat in the movie. This is a cute little kitty. Yeah, a cute little kitty. It's got a little bell. Yeah. Uh, and I like that, like, Deepak Harris is like, 
I know you hate my fucking cat. <laughs> yeah, that's why you put him in your fucking video game as a portent of evil. Uh, and yeah, uh, Tom starts just trying to talk about what happened, but, you know, he's slowly realizing that, like, the analyst asks him, like, hey, okay, well, if we went back to your office, what do you think we'd find there? Would it be all shot up? And Tom just kind of, like, deflates as he just realizes, like, no, it won't be. Yeah, like, I'm, and, like, this is the one where he says, like, I'm crazy, and, like, Neil Patrick Harris kind of patronizingly says, like, we don't use that word. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also when we see him get a video game award and then jump off a building. <laughs> yes, yeah, we get a flashback because we learn about how he's like a suicide survivor. And yeah, he he won the game awards in 1999. <laughs> I did see a fucking, I think it was a Polygon article today. Like, well, here are the games that the Matrix video game beat in 1999. Did 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 Jeff sign off sign off on this because it is the it is the same statue that they use in the game? He Awards. must have. That's like must have been why there was so much fucking Matrix Resurrection shit at the Game Awards this year. Like it was a cross promotion thing. Okay, but did Jeff understand th- that the way the Game Awards would be portrayed is as this <laughs> this awful thing that would drive Neo to suicide? Well, I don't think that's really what it's supposed to be like. What it is, is they wanted to make him a video game maker, but they also wanted him to have won an Oscar. And I was like, well, they don't really have Oscars for video games. I guess they have the Game Awards. Like, I don't think you'd see it as an insult to the Oscars if he had won one of those. You know what I mean? I don't know. And also, and like, they never fully go for this. I I posted a picture of what Neo looks like when he wins an Oscar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or not a a video game award. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Which, I love that the tables are covered in, like, pills and white rabbits, like... Uh-huh. Do you... <laughs> I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. Um, but, like, they say, like, oh, you had this suicide attempt. The building that we see him jump off is not survivable. And they just never really state what happened. And there's, like, a great line from Bugs later, which is, like, I saw you jump and you never landed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clearly fucking the analyst just reset the Matrix before he hit the ground or, like, he was starting to fly or something. Because that's the other thing. It wasn't a suicide attempt. He just got lost in a dissociative episode and remembered that he used to be able to fly and convinces himself to try to fly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he's kind of like just defeated after his uh, talk with his therapist and he's sitting up on a rooftop drinking. Yeah, he's like, oh man, my texts were erased, so you can't see Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's getting drunk and he's like, I'm gonna try flying again. <laughs> yeah, he watches a pigeon fly off the roof. He goes, that doesn't look hard. I can do that. Uh, but Bugs pulls him back. And yeah, we learned, yeah, Bugs was a window washer at the building Neo almost killed himself trying to fly off of. And for whatever reason, she saw a glimpse of the real Neo underneath his weird uh, fake avatar. And that's what, uh, like, woke her up. Um, She lets him know that, like, yeah, they don't use agents anymore. They use bots. And your whole life is, like, full of them. I didn't totally... Are there just programs that are bots that can be activated and they just live among the people? Or is it that random people can get activated as bots? I think that bots live among people. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, like like Jude is a bot. 
Right, right. I I think I think it's a thing with this Matrix that it, there is far less people in it than there used to be. Which makes sense. Right. And yeah, they say that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the analyst is trying to make up for that by using more programs to control people and get them more, producing more energy. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to say something that as soon as the thought came into my head, I was oh, of course Ashley likes this fucking movie because it's way more the Truman Show than the old Matrix movie. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone in your life exists only to like make sure your life goes in certain directions and you don't question things like like i said like there's been a a few movies this year for me where i'm like well i loved that Uh i don't understand why other people do (laughs) (laughs) sometimes sometimes people make movies for ashley yeah yeah the editing as bugs escorts neo through a train to morpheus is is some good wachowski shit Uh yes Yeah, it's fun. I like Bugs' glasses. Yeah, Bugs has some neat glasses. They've got like a bar across the front of them. Yeah. The part where I was like, oh, this is my shit is when they get through the train to meet Morpheus and it's in a shitty rundown movie theater where they're projecting the scene where Neo meets Morpheus from the first movie. Yeah. And just sort of sitting in the light of the projector. Projector? Projection. Projector. I was. I used to be a projectorist. <laughs> And yeah, Morpheus wants to give him a red pill. We also learn here that, like, part of the reason it's taken them so long to find Neo is that they have found a way to hack people's uh, residual self-image or whatever it's called so that you don't look like yourself to anybody else but you. And this was another thing where I'm like, oh, that's cool. And obviously this is a seed we're planting and there's going to be like a third act twist where somebody isn't who we thought they were the entire movie, right? That does not happen. No. Well, that's why they had the whole uh, scene where they talked about how what matters in the Matrix is big mind-bending plot twists so they could set up that that's not what matters. Sure, yes. I see. You're saying the fact that they set up a potential twist and then don't do it is actually that that that's them smacking me for focusing on the wrong parts of the film. Yes, correct. I see. It just it's a thing like the modal thing where they spend a lot of time talking about it and then it just doesn't go anywhere. I will say I I didn't quite I like 80 only 80% understood this on my first watch. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding it a little more now that we're talking through it. At this yeah, point, yeah. I wasn't quite sure uh, what the ontology of Morpheus is. Like, I understand now that he is a program that was created by Neo so that eventually someone would free him so he could free Neo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, at, the, at this point on my first watch, I didn't quite understand who created who. Oh, sure. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also just like the idea that because they're in a computer program, a computer program you write in it can bleed out into it. That's that's a fun concept. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, this is when we learned that it's been 60 years since the end of Matrix Revolutions. Right. And yet, uh, both... Neo and Trinity have only aged some 20 years, and they don't really know why. Uh, But yeah, as, like, Neo is trying to reach through the mirror, he does not find, like, the exit to the Matrix. He finds the Analyst's house, and the Analyst is working to drag him back into the Matrix. Also, there's, like, a a quick line from uh, Modal Morpheus, where he's like, like, oh, you didn't, like, you didn't want to be found for so long. That's why it took so long. And, like... People are starting to worry that you always worked for the machines. 
Right. Like, you yeah. yourself are like a machine agent. Yeah. Which is definitely one of the parts of this movie. I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Go back there for a second. No, one of those things. Hey, ooh, that might be an interesting plot that are to chase. Oh, we're not worried about that? That's okay, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he takes the red pill. Uh, he gets uh, contacted by the analyst. Yeah, and then the SWAT team descends on the movie theater. I do like that it is just the same anonymous SWAT team in every fight. Yes. Yeah, I guess thinking about now, the only reason anyone would know what exactly happens in a lot of The Matrix is because Neo made this video game explaining it. Yeah, I guess that's true, because Red Pills could jack in and play The Matrix. He didn't tell anyone about the architects. Nobody knows what happened at the Machine City exactly, only that there was peace somehow. The, this video game in the world of The Matrix is also historical text. Right, much like the comic books in She-Hulk. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I, I like how the analyst go, like starts out like, oh, like, you know, you're having an episode, stay with me. And then just starts like trying to like fucking like, no, fucking, you're coming through this mirror, goddammit. Yeah, yeah, just, just trying to forcefully drag him through the mirror. Um, And yeah, they run from the SWAT team back into the bullet train they came through to get here. And uh, someone fires a rocket launcher through the through the door into the uh, train and it blows up a side of it, which is a cool moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then basically uh, all the passengers on the train turn out to be bots that attack them. Yeah, it's an ambush. It's an ambush. Uh, so you get a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese stuntmen that they obviously wanted to work with. <laughs> uh-huh. Hidden among all of these people who are supposedly kids. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, they have an exit because there is a bathroom mirror, but it's very tiny. But because this Matrix doesn't have hard, fast logic rules, they can just kind of... They they superliminal it. Yeah, they superliminal it. They they make it bigger so that they can slip through it. It's bigger as it gets closer. Yeah. yeah. I think Neo gets almost uh, stabbed with a caramel apple. That does almost happen, yes. Yeah. Also, someone gets thrown out of the train, and that's I always am down for that. <laughs> so you just, like, someone gets thrown out of a moving thing, and they just fucking, like, like fly past. Yeah. Uh, Neo wakes up. Uh, the first couple shots very directly mirror uh, him waking up in the first Matrix movie. He's a goopy boy again. He's a goofy boy again. This, uh, like, pod room is hellish red, and he realizes that he is not, like, one person in a huge, like, grid of pods. There's only one other pod in here, and he can't see who it is. Uh, the, the moment of transfer between him going through the mirror and him reaching out is extremely good. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, no, I, I'm just glad that they were able to go back to just be goopy boys. <laughs> <laughs> just back in that goop! Yeah, a couple of quick notes I had is I really like the way Seek the Operator is, like, projected as a hologram into the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Operator isn't just, like, a guy sitting at a keyboard now. He's walking around with them, even though he's not actually in the Matrix. It solves a lot of problems of, like, cutting back to the guy at the computer. Right. And, yeah, Mio gets unplugged. I th I thought at this point that my big thing, and I, I told this to my girlfriend who I was watching it with, what I thought, like, my big twist that I thought they were going to do is that the machine that is unplugging uh, Neo is, like, uh, like looks like a big bug. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Bugs is also going to be turned out to be a machine. That would have been cool! <laughs> 
And, like, that's going to show, like, oh. Oh, right, like, she has a machine body in the real world, but Jack's in and she's human? That would have been so good. And, yeah, like, that's how she, like, and I was like, oh, like, that's how they're going to do, like, their trans shit. And, like, and then, like, it's also, it's what they eventually end at, like, that, like, the resistance now is not just humans. Right. Uh, and it, th- that is my getting disappointed they didn't do the thing I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have liked that. Neo has, like, five times as many plugs and wires as he did before. Yes. yes. He's got a huge one on the back of his neck. Yeah, and, like, his whole, like, pl- like he's got more than just holes. Like, he has some weird, like, prosthetics on the back of his neck. Yeah, and, like, it's very much like he is freaking out because he thinks that these machines are, like, going to go dump him. Like, they did in the first one, not realizing that this is, that, like, these are their people on the inside. <laughs> Right, yeah, he does not get that there are machines working with uh, the Resistance now. So he's freaking out, he gets dragged away. I think we get, like, one very brief glimpse into the other pod to see that it's Trinity. She reaches her hand up. Right, 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 yes. And then as he gets, like, pulled away, it, like, goes back down. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we see, like, the, the human, like, power plants, which, like, not as big as they were before, or, like, not as filled right uh but it you know looks a lot like it did in revolutions yeah definitely and the yeah the machines drop him off inside uh a ship i forget what's the new ship called uh nemozine nemozine um they are like you know they wrap him up in a blanket and they're trying to like stabilize him but they're struggling bugs asks the doctor what's up doc in a way that is not at all a joke I, yeah, I, I did not, I just thought she was named Bugs because it's like, oh, computer bugs. Right. But there's definitely some Bugs Bunny here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she wears a shirt with a carrot on it. Uh-huh. She's got, a, yeah, the white rabbit. Yeah. I like that the fucking rebels in this have tattoos. Uh-huh. They're like, listen, if we're going to be cool rebels... <laughs> Yeah, then let's be cool rebels. Yeah, I feel like this is a good subtle thing with the makeup and dressing because Io has a little bit more resources than Zion does. Right, time has advanced, things are improving, albeit slowly, and they, they have a little bit more than they used to have. So they can get their hair done up nice. All of the people have like, like yeah, like subtle but different modes of like dress that like reflect their personalities rather than like the default Skyrim wear they got in the first trilogy. <laughs> it's not just that everyone's wearing a shitty burlap sack. Now they're wearing a shitty burlap sack with a band of color on it. Yeah, or like buttons or something. Yeah. And in parallel to that, I really love how old Keanu Reeves looks when he shaves. Yes. Yeah. He looks like a sad old man, which is appropriate. Right. Um, Morpheus uh, is saying that he's just been hanging out on the ship computer because they plugged Neo in. Right. That That's somehow like what they're going to need to do to stabilize him. And yeah, he wakes up in like the white void with Morpheus. He is going through withdrawal from the Matrix. Right, right, right. Yes. And yeah, <laughs> Morpheus turns on a TV to show Morpheus turning on a TV from the first Matrix. Yeah, this is where Morpheus kind of explains his deal to Neo that, yeah, he's a program created by him to wake him up. He's, like, based both on Morpheus and Agent Smith, the two of the people that had the biggest impact on, like, change in Neo's life. And, like, you could get a a sense that, like, Moto Morpheus is like, that kind of sucked, bud. 
yeah, this is all kind of fucked up, actually, but, you know, ah, we're here now. What What are you gonna do? So I'm, I'm gonna just punch you a bit, and maybe that'll get out my feelings. My life is an existential nightmare, but there's an open bar in this white void, so I can't complain that much. And I was programmed to be very cool, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a little weird that the, the cosmic essence of Morpheus, the platonic form of Morpheus, who Morpheus is, is the guy that finds Neo. And after that, eh. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's not the cosmic platonic essence of Morpheus. This is Morpheus as Neo understands him, right? That's kind of the only thing that makes him Morpheus. Right, for sure. Yeah, because his personality is very different. Like, that, when when he awakens to his nature as Morpheus, that's what he says... I am Morpheus, I have to find Neo. And if I'm being, again, if I'm trying to make excuses for it, I could say, well, yeah, because that Morpheus, modal Morpheus's understanding of Morpheus is derived completely from Neo, and that is who Neo is conceiving Morpheus as. But you're right, that, like you're meant to take it as, yes, like, Morpheus exists as his plot function in the Matrix movies, which is to awaken Neo and then run out of subplots to do anything interesting. Yeah, um, the, we all know the Wachowskis do not have a good history with, uh, black characters. Not a history with black characters or, um, opinions on black people! Yeah. Said some real fucked up stuff about black people. Yes. Which was kind of in the back of my head watching them uh, bring back all the actors, but the one black actor on the main cast, out, oh, we can just swap him out with a different black guy, right? Yeah. And like, I, that is perhaps uh, uncharitable, but they have, uh, they got a track record that encourages that kind of uncharitable thinking. Yeah, and if, say, you know, Lawrence Fishburne did come back to play Modal Morpheus, there could be something, like, we could be like, oh, he's using, you know, all the thoughts that he had about this previous version of this character to bring to this one and, like, how he is playing Modal Morpheus, but this guy, very, you know, pointedly, is, is just almost playing, like, the public remembrance of Morpheus. Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool black guy who fights Neo in a you know, Asian-inspired room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they have a fight in a cool dojo on a lake. Uh, Neo, like, doesn't want to fight. He's like, no, I'm done fighting. But he gets into it. Yeah, and then at the end, he uses his force powers and blows up uh, their computer. <laughs> yes. More than ever before, uh, Neo's powers are just the force. Yeah, they don't do any of the stuff you want in here, Luke. Nope, they never will. <laughs> they never will. I just want them to do cool shit with him being, like, one with the world around him. Like, the the very reality he inhabits is an extension of his body, and they never will. The closest they get to that is at the end with Trinity. Yes. Uh, I don't remember which part you mean, but sure. I, I'm just like, she, like, like snapped her finger to bring... Oh, yes, 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 you're right, yeah, she snaps her finger to, like, heal the analyst so she can fuck him up again, you're and right, And also yeah. to tear down, like, one of his walls so they can fly in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but we we get a, a scene of, yeah, shaved Neo waking up, and he is just like, so everything I did was for nothing, huh? Like, I, I you know, sacrificed my life, you know, Trinity sacrificed her life to you know, get rid of the machines and free people from the Matrix, and then I wake up right back in the Matrix. Yeah, and also, like, now I'm free again, and this d- doesn't really look any different. It kind of seems like nothing's changed in 60 years, and they have to show him that, yes, it has. Yeah, and also, like, 
bugs say like well like i am here now because of you yeah yeah i'm i'm baffled that they they call out one character as being a descendant of captain Rollins. That memorable fan favorite, Captain Rollins. Is Captain Roland the other captain from Revolutions? Yes. Okay. He's the guy who wants to torture people. Right, right. I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I did not remember who Captain Roland was, but that level of like, hey, we're even gonna throw something out for the Roland heads out there. I do like that. <laughs> like, if you're gonna do fan service, do some fucking fan service. Um... And, yeah, like, also, it's a good, like, hey, this guy that you, like, wasn't, you know, that much older than you. I'm his granddaughter. It's just yeah. a way for, to make Keanu Reeves feel old. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and also, this is where we learn that the Oracle is no longer a thing. Is that in, there was a purge of programs, and uh, she was one of them. This is the one point that felt a little uh, sequel baby to me, because they mentioned that the Oracle's fate was kind of mysterious. Uh, they're gonna mention a few things are kind of mysterious throughout this chunk of the movie, where they're just kind of, like, give you the shape of what happened with no details. Um, but yeah, for now, we're meeting, uh, the machine members of the crew. We got, uh, how do you pronounce, uh, their name? Saibebe? Saibebe. Saibebe. Yeah. She's, she's Saibebe. We also have Octocles, and, uh, what's the little one's name? Uh, Luminate, but the eight is an eight. Also, yeah, they don't like, they, they prefer to be called sentients, not, uh, not machines. I, I, I said somewhere, but I, I like that this is a, a movie that has a, oh, they prefer to be called blank, and it doesn't feel like a joke. Right, they're just letting you know, like, oh, yeah, actually, no, the word is sentient. Which also, like, works on the level of, like, yeah, machine is literally a very, like, dehumanizing thing to call them. It makes sense they wouldn't like that name. Yeah. Machines being good guys is such a smart direction to take this. Agreed. Yes, yes. I like that element of it. it. It definitely feels like, you know, so many people have talked about the second Renaissance mm-hmm. as, like, if you watch that, like, that's kind of one of the best Matrix things. Right. And, like, how it, like, po- paints this point of view of that is kind of just hinted at in the original Matrix, but that, like, they're, like, we were really big assholes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, this whole thing is kind of our fault. Yeah. And also makes sense that it's not a men versus machines thing. It's a a humans and machines versus an oppressive system that immiserates them both, like we saw with Sati's family. And it's also to the benefit of the, the, the machines who run the oppressive system, to make everyone think it's a humans versus machines thing. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the moment I, like, had the most, like, oh, man, I, I feel good about stuff mm-hmm. in this movie was, like, yeah, we have humans, machines, and programs all working together. Right. Like, that was the ne- that's the next step of this, is that, like, we had been stuck in this us versus them, but no, it's us and them. Yeah, yeah. We also learn in this scene, right, that programs can... Uh, they've invented a technology where basically little nanobots that just look like tiny cubes can all pour out of a canister and the programs can sort of jack into those and basically do a reverse matrix and like come into the real world. Yeah. They look like the fucking like toy that you like put your hand through the metal pins to make it come out on the other side or whatever. Yeah, they they kind of look like the Black Panther hologram. Yeah, yeah, that's also a good touchstone. That's probably a better one than mine. Yeah, this is the stuff that makes revolutions retroactively better to me because it makes certain things like 
when Neo's walking through the city at first and there's like all these little animal machines that are following him. Yeah. Where it's like he's he's like half man, half machine, and he's the bridge between their species. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, like the idea that Neo is as important to the machines as he is to uh, the humans is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. The, at some point during this, we also, right, when Bugs and Neo are talking, um, she talks about how, like, they have used his story as, like, another layer of control in the Matrix. And basically getting at the idea, you know, that, that concept that, like, capitalism is so all-encompassing that it can even profit off of anti-capitalist narratives, that kind of thing. Yes. We're like, yeah, no, you're a hero, and they bottled and sold you, like any other product. Now, now you are, like, the reason why they were totally okay with... Uh, having, like, you know, you be, like, the the quote-unquote, like, star of this video game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Is because, like, they know that that yearning of, like, and that, like, discussion is just going to drive people to, like, clash with each other. <laughs> that, and I think also the idea of, like, yeah, yeah, we can feed you the Matrix narrative, you know, the, this revolutionary narrative through a product, and that will, like, um satisfy that urge enough that it doesn't lead you to actually push back against the world around you because you're like vicariously having that satisfied yes uh and i really like also that like the pilot of this is like uh like bugs is like oh you know best pilot in the in our fleet and he's just like no there's a there's a few sentients who are better than me (laughs) yeah yeah where it's like yeah that idea of like and I'm sure it's something that they're thinking about, like, where it's, like, of of machines taking over jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that this guy is not, like, worried or, you know, like, frightened that uh, sentients are better than him. He's like, yeah. no, yeah, they're, they're just other beings that are just as good as or better than I am. Right. And th- just that whole, it's my favorite part of the movie, and it, it gives me warm fuzzies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, but when Neo's talking about how they turned his life into a video game conversation, he he's still not quite sure if, if this is like real. And that yes. worked for me because the editing on in the first act with the analyst stuff was just convincing enough that I also was not totally sure if this was real. But he's choosing to accept it anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because everyone says, like, oh, I can't believe you're here in the flash. You're real. And he's like, mm-hmm. I-, I guess I am. Right. Apparently. Uh, they got a fixed guy. Yeah, they get to the new human city. Uh, it is no longer Zion. It is Io, which I like because it works on, like, multiple levels. Because, A, obviously, it's two letters from Zion. Uh... But, you know, it's only half a Zion. Um, But it's also, like, a human word. You know, it's like a moon or whatever. But also, if you wrote it out, it would look like 1-0. So it's, like, computer talk also. And also, 1-0 in binary is 2. Because there's two, you know, different kinds of people living here. But they meet Niobe, who is played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes! In a lot of old age makeup. I was, like, 100% sure that they had just gotten a different actress to play her. Uh Uh-huh. But no, they actually have... Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in all that makeup. Yeah. I think she's great in this. Yeah, she does good. Like, she doesn't have a huge role, but she's good at what they give her. I like that Neo and Niobe have a relationship. Yes, and they have, like, a past, totally. Th- that's not something I would have expected, because one of my issues with the sequels is that Neo doesn't really talk to anyone except Trinity. Yeah, for sure. 
And, but also, yeah, it's not like they have a deep relationship. It's just, hey, we were both involved in some crazy shit. Uh, we kind of had different ideas about how to win the war, but I trusted you. And, you know, maybe that was a mistake. Yeah, but things kind of worked out well. I don't know. Like, it, she has, like, mixed feelings about Neo, which I like. Yeah, she's got mixed feelings about, like, all of this. And it's, it's just good to have a character from that time that doesn't treat Neo as, like, God incarnate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she grounds the whole crew. Yes, because they were not supposed to be doing this mission. Uh, they went out, you know, and freed Neo on their own. Yeah, and like there is kind of this uneasy, not exactly peace, but like just uh, understanding between her, like between Io and the machines. Or, you know, like the, 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 the current Matrix. Right. Um, and I also get the sense that uh, Niobe is more concerned with like cultivating Io and making sure the people here are, like, safe and happy, and she's less concerned with freeing additional people. Like, yeah, we we got people. Uh, They're fine in the Matrix. Who cares? It also, it's apparently harder for people to, like, to fewer people want out of the Matrix than previous. Right, like, they don't go super deep into it. I assume the status quo is the same from Revolutions in that, like, you can leave if you want, but we have gotten way better at making you not want to. Yes. Yes, they also reframe it more as it's not about realizing that this world isn't real. It's about realizing that it's not satisfying. Yeah, because, and like, we're really going to get into this with the big analyst scene, but the Matrix is social media now. Yes. And it's like, the people trapped in the Matrix are just doom scrolling. Yeah. Um, but they have better food now, so. Yeah, they they can grow strawberries now because the machines had all sorts of like archival, like data on like the DNA of dead plants and stuff that they can, you know, synthesize and like slowly but surely they're starting to like grow a bigger variety of food instead of like the nutrient paste they used to have to eat yeah like they, they specifically call out like oh yeah that's not what we had to eat yeah 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 up until this point i i was really worried that uh is this movie just gonna be like retreads of all the shit in the original trilogy but i like that they're they're moving things forward here they're like creating interesting uh science fiction yeah for sure and like now like talks about like can you see bits of uh, the, you know, revolutions and I think some, like, extra stuff they shot, uh, where she was like, I, you know, was so involved in war for so long that I have, I'm just kind of clinging to this piece, and this is why uh, she's not really trying out to go get people, because you know, she knows how precarious this is. Yeah, it, it's it's a nice, sweet scene when Neo's like, what the fuck, you have strawberries in the real world? Oh shit, that's like, crazy. Like, oh, we're working on blueberries. Yeah, yeah. And it's like an old woman and a program working together in the in the garden. It's it's nice. Yeah. Hey, is this old woman Niobe's girlfriend? I was gonna yeah, ask the wife. same thing. Yeah, that's her wife, right? Yeah. One hundred percent. Okay, yeah. I don't think they ever explicitly say that, but it seems clear. They do not, but they have like a tender moment together where they don't like kiss or anything, but they are familiar and close to each other in a way that like long-term romantic partners would be. Yeah, if if, if it was a guy and a girl, you would not second guess. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is is the Matrix 4. Like, why should I have to second guess? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally... You are right. It is surprising to me that this movie is not more queer and trans. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. It feels like they are just entirely focused on Neo and Trinity, and that is the focus. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we get from Niobe some background exposition about what's happened in the past 60 years. Um, that because so many people were being freed from the Matrix, the machine's power supply was running low, and because now energy was more scarce, the machines started going to war with one another instead of against the humans. They changed the canon from the Matrix Online where Morpheus became a terrorist. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) Despite what people were hoping for, the Matrix Online is not canon to the Matrix Resurrections. Path of Neo, though, that's very canon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, I recently just learned that they were originally wanted the Mega Smith to just be Godzilla. <laughs> that would have been really good. But like Toho said, no. Yeah, uh, of course they did. That, I love that cutscene of the, the Wachowskis talking about it. It's good. Yeah. And yeah, this is where we get like, yeah, Morpheus didn't want to believe that they that like the matrix was coming back or like that like the machines would try to fuck us over again yeah because he wanted to believe that what neo did would last forever yeah and this stuff again feels more like you know opening up a back door to other matrix stuff because Naomi says, like, oh, we received word from the Oracle that there was a new power rising, and that's the last we ever heard from her. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the analyst. No, it's not, because the analyst refers to his bosses. The suits. The suits. Yeah, okay, that's true, that's true. Yeah, there there are multiple references to some new higher power that never appears in this movie. Um, And we also... She heavily implies that Morpheus got killed during this period. Doesn't actually say that he got killed, though. Yeah. Which was me being like, ah, I I caught ya. He's gonna show up at the end, didn't he? Because he's not actually dead. And then he didn't show up. (laughs) Um, But I I like what this is saying, that that peace is not something that you just win. It is something you work for. Right, right. Peace walker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Morpheus was more of a peace sitter. (laughs) He was a peace sitter, that's true. Um, <laughs> Neo gets taken to jail. Io still has prisons. Yeah, yeah, they, they have to imprison Neo and ground the uh, the crew that rescued him because they disobeyed orders, and she can't risk Neo trying to go back for Trinity because that could draw attention to Io. Yeah, and we, yeah, we get another bit of someone saying, like, oh, I can't believe you're real. Yeah. And Neo's just like, yeah, again, people keep saying that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I do like the anti-war messaging here in Niobe's speech where she's like, the the war acted as a matrix of its own because it, like, limited the imaginations of both humans and machines. Right. Even having that temporary peace allowed for people to, like, think differently and develop new alliances. And the, the new power, the suits, uh, ended that by doing war. Right. And, like, I think Morpheus, you know, Morpheus, great guy. But I don't think that he could consider a world where he would have synthians on his ship. Yeah, probably not. Although he's not too broken up about, like, working with Seraph or the Oracle in, you know, once he finds out their programs, you know? Yeah, but, like, for him, like, they are part of his, like, religion. Right. Of the one. That's true. If, like, just, like, a sentinel... (laughs) Yeah. Morpheus did really like climbing up on a big rock and going, MACHINES! And he couldn't do that anymore no. with this new paradigm. They're trying to cancel Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they uh, get Neo out and everyone's like, yeah, we all expected this to happen. 
Yeah, yeah. Morpheus shows up uh, in his, like, you know, pile of sand form and is like, yeah, I mean, I could tell you you could choose whether to go or stay, but, you know, it's not really a choice because that's kind of his character's thing is pointing out that, like, these binary choices aren't really choices because you are who you are and you're going to do what you're going to do. Yeah. Which is very, you know, Matrix. I, it's also interesting that this movie is entirely filmed in San Diego. Oh, huh, okay. When, like, the other movies were, like, you know, filmed in, like, Australia, but, like, supposedly took place in Chicago. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing as, like, that plays into that video game startup douchebag. (laughs) Right. Well, it also plays into, like, we talked about it last time, you know, Sati at the end of Revolutions making the beautiful, like, sunrise for Neo. And, like, a lot of the outside scenes in The Matrix now have similar color grading. And I like the direction they've taken of, like, yeah, that wasn't actually, like, a symbol of things being good forever. It was just painting a happy face over the same bullshit as always. And, like, that's obviously not how she meant it, but it's how it's been used. Yes. Um, yeah, they, they find Trinity and that she looks like any other uh, normal blue pill. Yeah. But that's yeah. how Neo looked. Also, bugs say that uh, Neo needs to get his mojo back. Yes. And then I, I said, yeah, baby. And then my girlfriend hit me with a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they jack in in like a weird sort of hotel that's being renovated i guess like their hotel room looks nice but then they step out and it's all just like wooden planks no they, they go like they get into a hotel and then they go through a door to a warehouse oh you're right you're right i forgot that the whole thing is that they can like yeah teleport through doors basically because it, it's it's them rerouting their signal it's using a like an ip like multiple ips to get around something yes and uh, as they're walking around, like, some of the, like, you know, s- like, side character crewmates are just talking about Neo and like, hey, you know, every side character crewmate in the Matrix gets fucking killed. Are you worried? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very worried. <laughs> the, the, the lady that's not Bugs has such Matrix hair. Yes, yes, she does. Uh, But as they're walking around, Smith shows up. I like that instead of, like, just black sunglasses, he's got just his douchebag sunglasses. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he kind of is talking about, like, how the analyst has used him as part of, like, the way that he's controlling Neo. You know, he he took our bond and turned it into a chain. Also, everyone, like, immediately starts freaking out, like, ah, fuck it, Smith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And, yeah, Smith's... You know, he just, he loves to fight Neo and kill him. Yeah. He's like Vegeta. He is like Vegeta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then the, the exiles uh, all come to have a bad fight scene. Yeah, this this fight scene is bad. He found all the exiles to reloaded. The fight scene is bad, but the uh, grimy, filth-covered Merovingian yelling about <laughs> how you need to reject modernity and embrace tradition <laughs> is very good. It is. <laughs> I like yelling yeah, like, that Agent Smith is like, yeah, you really, like, they designed you to look like shit. And me? I'm even more beautiful. <laughs> I'm so fucking hot now. Look at my beautiful eyes. He got the surgery. He took the hormones. This is the trans metaphor to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely have seen a lot of people talking about uh, Smith as a toxic trans narrative. Yeah, but this is after he's chilled out a little bit and he's still like, you know, kind of a dramatic bitch, but in a fun way. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I think it's so funny that his version of Mr. Anderson is just calling him Tom. Tom. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Yeah, he's like way friendlier with Neo now, even though he still wants to, you know, murder him. Yeah, this fight scene isn't good, but Merovingian aren't like ranting about social media and... Everybody be on their phones now! Yeah, and reboots is great. Yeah, we used to have class. I used to be in a fancy French restaurant making people have orgasms with cake. And now I'm just a gross old man in a weird warehouse. Now I look like uh, Robert Williams at the beginning of Jumanji. Now I look like the train man! He does. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, I don't, I'm not crazy about this fight scene. I think it picks up when it's just Neo and Smith. Yeah, the, the stuff that's Neo and Smith fighting is fun, I think. And it's also, like, the most, like, classically Matrix where they are just in a green bathroom. Uh-huh. Love to have fights in a green bathroom. Uh, Morpheus gets fucked up in this, and that got me, like, thinking, like, like what happens if Morpheus, like... Because we've seen, like, other, like, like programs in, uh, like, the original Matrix, like, survive things that are not survivable normally. Yeah, but they can still be killed. Like, one of the werewolf exiles gets shot with a silver bullet and dies. Yeah, the, the, the ghosts get blown up. Yeah. I, there was part of me hoping, because everyone's always said, like, I mean, they get, like, thrown away into the sky by the explosion. We don't see them die. I was hoping for the ghosts to show up. I I think that the, the ghosts are maybe better left uh, in the past. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I do like the costuming and all the uh, the exiles. Yeah, Extreme yeah. crust punk. <laughs> Very crust punk. <laughs> Neo's just keeps getting uh, punched down by Smith and eventually starts using his force powers. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, uses his force powers to defeat Smith and they get the hell out of here and they get Neo to Tiffany. Uh, and she, like, immediately, you know, again, they just have, like, a vibe with each other, even though they ostensibly don't know each other that well. I- I'm sorry to be like this. Yeah, what's up? But I just want to say, in this scene, and in general, but in this scene particularly, Carrie Ann Moss, smoking hot. <laughs> yes, 100%, absolutely! She looks so good in this movie. Yes. I have to I have to abstain from this because she looks too much like my mom. <laughs> but but I, I will uh engage in a platonic aesthetic appreciation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh but yeah, they have a talk about how you know, like, oh, we've been you know, we've both been searching for something real and like you know what this is. She had a dream about them being surrounded by cops. And it didn't end well. And uh, he tries to convince her, like, hey, you know, sometimes, you know, dreams are prophetic. And then she just melts. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, the, the deja vu cat is here. And she melts and Neil Patrick Harris is just standing behind her. They're setting up that Trinity has one powers because she's having a prophetic dream. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so the analyst rewinds the scene. He saves scums, like we said, and he turns the simulation speed down. He uses bullet time to trap Neo. The editing on this fucking rules. Yeah. It does. I've seen people complain that this looks bad and they're fucking wrong. Because yet Neo is moving in slow motion, but at a high frame rate. And the analyst is moving very fast at a low frame rate. It's so cool looking. Yeah, it like it is like, you know, obviously I don't think it's going to change the world like bullet time did. Right, because it's not something that you could use like basically outside of the context of this scene. Yes. Um, but it, yeah, it looks so fucking cool. Yeah. 
And uh, we get a little bit of the, the analyst history. Yeah, we learn that he is the successor to the architect. And uh, he was there when Neo died in Revolutions. I guess he was just one of the little spiders that followed him around. <laughs> That's funny to think of. It is funny to think of one of those little spiders being Neil Patrick Harris on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we get some pretty gruesome shots of him, like, oh, it's so rebuilding good. Neo's body. The, there's a great body horror in this part. Yeah, yeah. And also fishing Trinity out of the crash ship to rebuild her body, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, he has a lot of, like, you know, hope and despair are nearly identical in code. And basically, the, the thrust of what he's saying is that, actually, neither Neo or Trinity are all that threatening or powerful. What's threatening is when they're together. Like, we literally have a scene of them, when they get revived, they touch hands for a second, and it's like a bomb goes off in between them. Uh, which, I like this a lot. Because it fits into what we've seen of the old Matrix, where, like, all of Neo's biggest one moments are powered by, like, love scenes with Trinity, where, like, they kiss each other and then magic happens. And I like the, basically the implication is there never was a one, it was the two of them together that could do shit. It's, it's love conquers all. Yeah, it's love conquers all, which has been there from the very beginning, uh, but I like them pulling it out like this. And, uh, it also makes sense with the other ones didn't have a trinity, so they just perpetuated the cycle, but now because Trinity's here, the cycle is broken. Yes, exactly. Um, so he figured out that they're, like, almost weird, like, magnets or something, where if he kept them close together, but never actually coming in contact, that created some kind of, like, very powerful, like, feedback loop that could fuel the Matrix, even with, like, the reduced population of it. So... <laughs> Uh, again, we said it before, it's kind of a metaphor for, like, social media always keeping you frustrated, but giving you just enough stuff that you stay on it all the time. But also, what he's saying is, I'm just writing the best fucking slow burn coffee shop AU fanfic about the Matrix anyone's ever written, and people cannot stop reading it. It's great. <laughs> They're, you're never gonna fuck, but people keep tuning in every week on AO3 just in case. Uh, and yeah, this is where he explains bugs and that the use of bugs, or not bugs, uh, the use of bots yeah. is a specific thing because they were, if you write over an agent and the agent gets killed. Right, you lose a human. Yeah, but like now that, you know, they're, they're humans that are premium. Right. Uh, using bots is way more effective. Yeah, yeah. And also he says sick fun. <laughs> Yes, he he loves setting them on swarm mode. Uh, and the the uh bot that is in this place that Trinity knows, uh, shoots a shot at her in slow time. Yeah, and it's just Neo is trapped in slow motion as the bullet is racing towards her head. The analyst like sets an apple in the air to get exploded by the bullet, but it's just impossible for him to actually reach her in time. And it'll kill her, but, you know, he can, like, this Matrix has a mushier reality to it. It's driven by emotion and not facts. So he can just bring her back and just reset everything again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also they say that nightmares are the Matrix boosting your outputs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that he speaks in terms of, like, product breaking productivity records, which is not something the, the architect did not speak like that. No, not at all. Um... And yeah, I also like the idea that the analyst's matrix, like, the architect's matrix is 
just focused on being a perfect system that is unbreakable and uh it has to be like a little flexible to for that to be possible and that's how some people escape it um but like the fact that it's a miserable place to live is just a side effect of that the analyst's matrix the whole point is to make people miserable because that's what actually drives the most energy out of them like it's not just that like ah it's just it just so happens that life is bad no no, no we're making your life bad on purpose because that's how we profit and I'll say, like I said, I'm, I kind of fall off this movie at a certain point. Maybe I won't as we're talking through it. At this point, I am 1,000% on board. I love all of this. The, the big thing now is, will Trinity want to come back? Right. Yeah, now we've done the Matrix 1 Act and the Matrix Reloaded Act, and we're entering the Matrix Revolutions Act. Right, sure. Yeah, they get brought back to EO. Yeah, they get found where they were broadcasting into the Matrix and uh, get dragged back. Niobe is furious that, uh, you know, they all disobeyed her orders like this. And, uh, you know, they're all in big trouble. Um, but then a cool robot bird shows up. This robot? It's cool. Yeah. I was gonna say initially, it kind of bugged me that the Synthians, like... They could build a voice synthesizer. They could just talk. But we do see in this scene that the the liberated humans can just speak, you know, beep boops. So it's like Neo is the only one who can't follow these conversations. Um, yeah, Kujaku. Cool Kujaku, name. yes. Sick bird. But in this bird is the uh, little girl program f- that, uh, from Revolutions or? Revolutions. It's Sati. It's Sati. It's Sati. I mentioned Sati earlier to, like, my friend of, like, oh, that's a moment I love in, like, The Matrix. Uh-huh. And then she showed up, like, where I'm like, yo! Yeah, she's the Oracle now. Yeah, she's basically filling the Oracle role now. Yeah, she talks a little bit about, like, I guess her father got promoted from being a waste disposal program because he actually designed the facility that Neo has been trapped in. Well, it is a waste disposal. I guess, yeah. Them trying to figure out a way to recycle humans. Uh-huh. Not yeah. in a way that they were, you know, recycling before with feeding babies, but... Yeah, yeah. They're like, what if we just could keep the same humans alive forever? Right. So yeah, Sati has known all this time that Neo and Trinity were alive and didn't tell Niobe because it was more important that she focus on Io and building up uh, human civilization. Um, Niobe's kind of like, fuck you, that sucks. <laughs> Which I like. She's like, yeah, like, I if... A real friend would give me that choice. Right. Like, and like, let me fuck up if I'm going to fuck up. Yeah, and Sadi's like, yeah, I see your point. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, Basically, the analyst has given Neo an ultimatum that either he willingly jacks back into the Matrix and just becomes, uh, you know, part of his battery that powers the whole thing, or he's going to kill Trinity, since she's just of no use to him without Neo. Yeah. Um, I was, it's, it was a while ago, but Bugs does use the term Copper Top, which I always love. Yeah, yeah. Analyst also uses Copper Top. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good, dumb sci-fi phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, Sosati has a plan to help them free Trinity, which will in turn, uh, like, you know, break the analyst's matrix and maybe make it possible for people to be freed again. Yeah, and, yeah, like, they're pointing out that the analyst isn't acting, like, rationally like a, a program usually would. Yeah. Um, which, you know, like, it's part of the overarching thing of this with, like, compared to earlier programs from the 
saying to Destroyer, like, very obviously, like, I am built to do a purpose. Right, yeah. Uh, these are, you know, there's a bit more going on here. Yeah, the analyst is also just kind of a spiteful dick. Yes. Um, they have to have a whole group of people, uh, go to save Trinity. Uh, Bugs, uh, volunteers, and Naomi's like, no, I'm fucking forcing you to go. <laughs> yeah, no, you do not get a choice. Everyone else can get a choice. Uh, they all volunteer, and she's like, you're also fucking dumb. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. She, yeah, she's the, like the old badass that has a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, sometimes it's good to play the hits. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We we talked before about how maybe the machines are not actually that dependent on humans, and this is more like an ideological thing to keep them trapped. Yeah, that's out the window with this movie. It is, but also part of the analyst's characterization versus the architect is that he's not that concerned with, like... He's also not that concerned with, like, humans versus machines. He's here to get the numbers up. Like, yeah, it, for sure. it's... it's um. Like, that may have even been true before, but it can't be true now. The analyst has no ideology beyond just, I want to win. Like, I have my system, and I want my system to work, goddammit. Yeah, like, there was, like, bits in the earlier, uh, like, movie where, like, oh, we are prepared to live a life that, that is below what we are currently living to live without humans. Yeah, yeah, there's levels of survivability we're willing to accept or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, this movie kind of puts the lie to that. That No, like the machine civilization is falling apart even with just less humans in the Matrix. Yeah, and even if they could survive, isn't it great just to, to abuse others to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things with like fucking... Uh, I think about this with, like vampire stories. We're like, well... You know, if vampires weren't evil assholes, there's people that would, like, just let them have blood, you know? Yeah. Like, there's, you can fucking, the machine's just gotta figure out some folding at home shit. Like, yeah, no, I'll jack into the Matrix for, like, a couple hours in the morning. Sure, why not? You can have some of my brain juice if you really need it that bad. Again, like, the kind of whole point of this movie is that, like, it doesn't matter if, like, there is a piece that could, there are some people that are just spiteful dicks. Yeah, it doesn't need to be an oppressive system. Everybody can get what they want, but that would involve the people in power giving up what they have. Yes. Yes, this movie is very clear that there is a hierarchy within the machines, and the people at the top of that uh, would like to keep having as much as they can. I do wish it's it, the movie's not hurting without it or anything. It just would have been very fun for me personally if uh, the Baby King machine had a scene in this movie. Because again, he doesn't get much to do in Revolutions, and I just like that guy. I want to know more about him. I think the other reason Modal Morpheus is in this is so that he can be the one who gets through small uh, areas. <laughs> Right, because part of their heist involves him slurping up through a like drainage pipe into the pod room. Otherwise, it would be illuminate. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. we'd be in some uh, Michael Bay t territory. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're all just sort of doing the heist. It's doing the classic thing of like Sati describing the heist, is cross cutting with them performing the heist. One thing I I I really did not kind of fully get on this one is why Bugs needs to be an intermediary and what that means. Yeah, I don't really get why that has to happen either. 
where like they're trying to like pull Trinity out without like red pilling her because they're not really going to have that opportunity. So it's it's a situation very similar to the Seinfeld Frogger episode where they're having to do some fancy electrical engineering to transfer Trinity over to a different line without uh, unplugging her at any point. And yeah, for some reason, like they have to connect Trinity and Bugs together by a cable at some point for that to happen. And uh, yeah, I didn't really follow what the logic was there. I think partly it's just like to, to give Bugs a reason to be at the end of this movie because you know she's an important part for you know she is like the the one who kind of rescues neo in this one and she needs something to do <laughs> right right yeah also we learned that sati's parents are dead right yeah because a lot of the programs from the previous matrix just got erased uh when they rebooted it um and that she would have been erased but uh the bird sentient rescued her yeah because she like lives inside the bird yes which, which is neat. Uh, the, I don't know her name, but the, the uh, like... Lexi. Lexi on the... Yeah, see, she should have been the trans character. <laughs> <laughs> the most normally named person in the human world. <laughs> she, like, I don't know, I'm not really much of, like, I'm not into the whole hacker culture thing. Can I just, like, have my name? And that's why I should, because, it's like, yeah, I, this is the name I chose for myself. I'm not, I'm not gonna be called, like, you know, aughts or what the fuck ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she's, like... Are you sure about Trinity, though? Because, like, she kind of looked a bit normie. <laughs> and then she's, and then, like, Neo's like, but she looked hot, though. She's like, you're right. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think what Neo actually says is, like, well, you know, she used to have, like, faith in me. I need to have faith in her now. And, uh, yeah, Trinity gets invited to Simulate, which is full of cops, uh, because Neo has struck a deal with the analyst that if the analyst lets him ask Trinity honestly whether or not she wants to be free, uh, and she wants to be free, then the analyst has to let them both go. Um, otherwise, Neo will willingly come back to the Matrix, and the, like, leverage he uses to compel this is that, uh... They will just pull his plug on the ship yeah. and kill him if uh, he doesn't get to have this conversation. The, this conversation is the whole emotional climax of the movie. And if you ask me, they fucking nail it. Yeah, I agree. I like this bit. Yes. Uh, and I also like uh, the analyst to like, yeah, this might be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, the analyst just, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, and yeah, they have a conversation about, like, I, I like this bit a lot because it's, Tiffany is very much just saying, like, like, where she's coming from is there is a world in which, yeah, no, I could have been with you, uh, but we, like, missed our chance. I have my own life, and I, I can't do this. I gotta go. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, there's just a nice, like... Like, again, like, a legitimate emotional connection between them and, like, a sadness that, like, this would work between us, but I can't. Yeah, and, like, even, like, the opening bit where he's like, oh, if I was the Oracle, I could probably explain this better. She's yeah. like, you mean from your game? And you could just see, like, uh, like, that Keanu Reeves is, like, like, is just really fucking putting in his acting chops. But, you know, yeah. he gets made fun of for being a... <laughs> wooden actor which i think he's kind of gotten rid of since yeah this is why i say I, I feel like this film is more thematically focused than especially the sequels but even the first film because the first film is concerned both with like the experience of being in the matrix and also like the experience of being an anarchist terrorist 
Uh-huh. Where this is just like zeroes in on what it feels like to be in the Matrix, where you know what you want, but you're just, you're afraid of losing. The things you have don't really make you happy, and you know what would make you happy, but you're still afraid of losing the things you have and going for what you want. Things are bad, but they can always get worse. Yes. And therefore, you shouldn't risk trying to make them better. And that also ties in with what Bug said in the beginning. You Choice is an illusion. You already know what you have to do. The choice you're actually making is whether you want to like embrace who you are or not. And that's yeah. where the trans yeah. metaphor starts uh, driving back into the Matrix. Right. Sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely still there as subtext. Th- this feels very much um, like I- I'm kind of a sucker for old people romance because I feel like elderly characters are often portrayed as like, well, you know, maybe I could have been happy if I was younger, but it's kind of too late for me now. So I just have to endure life with my shitty family. And the, the right. specific trans metaphor that you could read this as is like, people who detransition for a long time and they're thinking like maybe i could try again yeah well and we're also like in this ending chunk gonna see like trinity is especially angry at the idea that like the fake reality she got plugged into is one in which she is like a mother and wife like that she is being very defined by like traditionally feminine roles and like that's not what she wants from her life Yes, they're very blunt with this, but I think it works because it's a Wachowski movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, she is just walking away. She's she's made her choice. Like, you know what? I I might even be happier with you, but it's too late. I have to go. My son got hit by a car and broke his arm uh, because I was coming here and he chased after me. Uh, I do just like how the, like, again, the Truman Show shit of like, yeah, every time you try to go against the Matrix, things just uh, bend in the way that like, A, like stops you from doing what you're going to do and B, shames you for breaking the rules. Yeah, and... Like, the the kids are, like, the kids and the dad are just not fucking acknowledging that all of this crazy shit uh, is happening in this coffee shop. Right. And, uh, yeah, the dad, like, suddenly Trinity starts to slow down and turn back around and changes her mind. And the dad immediately, like, drops all pretension of, like, being her husband and just gets angry and violent and his eyes go all Matrixy. And, uh, the whole place starts to erupt into a fight. Well, yeah, it's, she gets to say, I hate that name. Yeah. (laughs) Because she fucking hates Tiffany. Yes. And, uh, yeah, she just fucking beats his ass beats his ass all the SWAT guys draw their guns the analyst stops time again and is just going to murder Trinity while Neo is frozen in time and has to watch but then Smith shows up uh, I also appreciate that she, she I think, does in the first one, but uh, Carrie Ann Moss does the uh, Cynthia Rothrock kick where it goes over her head. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, Smith shows up. He uh, he comes out from the uh, the barista because he is technically the only agent in the Matrix, in this Matrix. Oh, that's true. You're right. I didn't think about that. And so the analyst hasn't, like, thought of that yet. <laughs> right. I guess that's also why he's not frozen when everyone else is. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he just punches Neil Patrick Harris into the ceiling. <laughs> it's so good. It's very funny. I'm glad that they, uh, the, they realize that Neil Patrick Harris just is extremely punchable. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, then time resumes, and, uh, just Neo and Trinity start fighting all the cops. Um, the analyst moves towards his cat to save Scum, but Smith, uh, is there on top of him. Yeah, like, uh, Smith is even, like, moving, like, faster than the analyst is. <laughs> right, listen, Smith has Neo in him. He's got one powers. Yeah. Um, we get the thing where Bugs and Trinity have to plug into each other. Uh, and, yeah, like, there's, like, a part where they are, like, superimposed over top of each other. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, again, I, I fully don't get, um, it, it mostly seems like it was, like, a cool, like, trailer shot. Yeah, Crystal, do you have any idea what the fuck is going on with Bugs and Trinity? Yeah, I, well, I mean, the reason this specifically is happening is because she's the intermediary or whatever, but I don't know why she's the intermediary. They they, they say that her brain is the closest to Trinity's. Right. Because it's the female brain. Uh, but, but even that, like, sure, like, I, I don't mind that it's Bugs specifically, I just don't get why it has to be a person, why they can't just transfer Trinity over into, like, the Sati program, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I guess it makes sense for a human brain's human brain. Humans need humans. I, I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, maybe if I was, like, actually paying attention to that exposition scene again, I could, you know, crack it. No, I'm, I'm reading it. I, I, I don't understand why her brain is the most similar. <laughs> why not Lexi? Yeah, who's inspired by Trinity, yeah. Yeah, it, it just, like I said, it feels like giving a reason for Bugs to be in this part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, she comes back later to, like, be the cavalry. Right. But, yeah, I, it just kind of feels like this is, like, a, a plot point, uh, you know, like, a in search of a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And none of it even really matters. It's just, like, an excuse to get to this scene. Totally. Yeah, where they, where they shake hands... <laughs> Yeah, Neo and Trinity reach out to each other. The cops try to stop them, but they can't. Uh, they touch hands, and uh, again, it's like a nuke goes off between them uh, and just kills all the cops in there. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris uh, starts to activate the bot swarm, but then Smith uh, shoots him in the head. Uh, I also like that uh, Smith is like, I'm cooler than you still. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it is a very Vegeta moment. <laughs> and then he puts on his dumbass shades and walks away. He goes away, yeah. yeah. When he doesn't walk away, he, like, phases out of the barista. Yeah. Yeah. Smith really won me over in this scene. This is where I was like, I love this Smith. Again, I will say, he's a lot of fun. I do like him. This seems like a weird spot for Smith's subplot to end in this movie. <laughs> he's just so happy that he's hot and he gets to bother Neil yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah totally it just it just seems like it doesn't get resolved in a way that again feels like spinoff or sequel bait to me yeah um neo tries to fly <laughs> it tries to fly but he can't do it uh yeah i i think this is probably the weakest action scene of the movie this is really where i started dropping off the movie because this fight this action sequence is long and it's not that interesting yeah like you get some cool imagery of just like having so many people and uh him using force power but like the overall stuff is not that interesting yeah, because again, they don't, and I get, you know, they're doing a whole play on, like, the nostalgia for the Matrix and stuff. Neo literally doesn't do anything with his powers that he did not do in the first movie. Trinity barely does anything new with one powers. It's all just, stopping bullets is the main thing the one can do, apparently. Which was really cool the first time it happened in the Matrix, and it's just, 
The diminishing returns on it is minor, but when you keep doing it over and over, it starts to build up, and I stop being all that excited by it. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with this movie deprioritizing action, maybe make the scenes a little shorter in that case. Yes. And this is very much where, yeah, I'm realizing now, yeah, it took a long time for this movie to start to lose me, because it's really not until here that I start to get a little grumpy with it, because I'm like, well, okay, the Neo-Trinity stuff has reached, like, its climax, it's kind of been resolved, so clearly we're gonna have, like, a cool escape sequence, and then a resolution, like a denouement, that's gonna bring us back to, like, Morpheus's character arc, or, like, Smith is gonna show up again and do stuff. Maybe Smith and Morpheus will have a scene together, since Morpheus is part Smith. That might be interesting. Maybe we'll do anything. And instead, we just have a very long shootout with a bunch of robot zombies. Yeah, like, it It could be a really... You can, like, knock ten minutes off this scene. Yeah. And just make it a, like, have some story bits. Like, yep. I, I, I know that they were probably told that you need this amount of action in this movie. Sure. But it really does feel like this is just unnecessarily long yeah yeah that said i like at near the end where trinity is just like pulling me around as he blocks stuff like it's like a fucking shield yeah the like actual development in this whole sequence is is towards the end right where yeah trinity's using neo's powers like a shield in a video game and at the end, they both try to jump off a building and fly, and Neo still can't do it, but Trinity can. And that part's cool. Yes. I like that. Took way too long to get there. Uh, and they just fly away, right? Yeah, they just fly away. They, like, fly up out of frame, and then they wake up in their seats. Uh, initially, I was a little iffy about their use of this. They're using the jump from the Matrix 1, but they're also, like, explicitly tying it to suicide. I was a little bit iffy about them using it at like that at first. The, they, they, they use this in the Animatrix where this is how the kid gets out. He jumps off a building. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way they emotionally frame it here with Neo and Trinity made it work for me because it's like they said, it's something that seems like really scary and impossible. But when you do it with the person you love, then, then you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that... Um... Like, it looks like a suicide attempt to an outside observer, but what's going on internally with them is completely different. Like, again, even in that first, you know, quote-unquote suicide attempt, Neo wasn't really, like, depressed. He didn't want to die. He just wanted, like, the world to not be shitty. And, like, he knew that it could be better. He knew that it used to be better for him. Yeah. And, like, was trying to reclaim that and wasn't able to. Yeah, I, I have, like, read an interview uh, with Keanu and uh, Carrie Ann Moss uh, about how this is, like, the first uh, movie Lama Wachowski did where it, she relied on natural lighting rather than... Yes. And so, like, that whole, like, uh, like you know, sunrising shot with them frames like they actually did like jump off of like a like platform with like you know wires uh-huh and they like did it like 20 times to get like just the right lighting yeah 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 i also do like the shot here where it echoes the thing where neo breathes and like the hallway bends around him for the first matrix where it's it's much less dramatic but trinity just kind of like sighs a breath of relief and you just see a ripple go out like over the horizon yes and it's it's neat 
And I also really like the the shot of them holding hands in the real world, and they both look really old, but they love each other so much. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah them fucking reaching out to each other and, like, seeing each other in the real world for the first time mm-hmm. in so long is so great. Yeah, yeah, Th- this all is, is good. Uh, so they wake up, and then they decide to go fuck with the analyst, because fuck that dude. I was a little caught off guard, yes, when I realized this was the ending of the movie. It doesn't feel like it should end here. <laughs> I Again, I like all this stuff we're talking about. I just feel like the movie leaves some things on the table that it didn't need to. There were places that they could make up time to, without making this movie, like, you know, three and a half hours or whatever. I do love Trinity now that she's the one. She has a leather duster. <laughs> yeah, and she kicks uh, the analyst's uh, uh, lower jaw off. Yeah, which I think she mentioned wanting to do to her husband yes. when he told her that she looked nothing like Trinity from The Matrix. Yeah, which to her, to him, he, she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, she snaps her fingers and fixes him, which is neat. And then she, like, slits his throat. Like, cuts into his neck so much that, like, his head practically falls off. Yeah. And it, it's all, like, just green, like... Yeah, yeah. It's still upsetting to see. Yeah. Also, yeah, you're no like, blood. He just that dude. <laughs> yeah, he bleeds code. Uh, and he has another whole little fucking speech about, like, oh, your dumb little happy ending feelings. Nobody wants that bullshit. They want to be miserable. It, you can't just go ending your story with a happy rainbow in the sky. And they're like, fuck you. Let's go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. There is a post credit scene. The Catrix. Yes. Where we're back in the pitch room for The Matrix 4, and they just say they need to make cat videos. I want that on the DVD. That seems like a good DVD extra, yes. Um, Yeah, I will say, yeah, talking it through with y'all, I do feel better about this movie than I did watching it by myself. I do still feel like either they needed to resolve more things, or they needed to not tease so many things that they weren't going to resolve. Like, if they wanted to just be the story of Neo and Trinity, all right, well, then make it the story of Neo and Trinity and don't give me all these other hooks that you're going to do nothing with. Yeah. I, I I still mostly, like, still kind of trying to find my way of, like, where I think about this on a whole, but I just am having a lot of fun with this movie and it makes me feel good, so I like it. <laughs> I, I also had a lot of fun with it, and I, get, I do think part of it is just that that final action set piece sucks, and it does kind of leave you with a sour taste. It left me with a sour taste in my mouth that then got followed up by realizing, oh, oh, it's over now. Uh, okay. Whereas I, I was enjoying everything up to that point. Um, I, d- I do like Neo and Trinity's final conversation where they talk about, like... Yeah, I mean, you're right. People might go back to liking this Matrix because it is easy to forget things. And that's why you make another Matrix movie. Right. Um, And I like that they thank him for giving him another chance. I I just like the depiction of, yeah, it's not that you just get free and then you stay free forever. Sometimes you might have feelings like Cypher and you want to go back. But then you come back around from that. You know, it's 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 always a process. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and right, like his whole the analyst's entire philosophy is that I'm going to make people miserable because that drives engagement in the Matrix. And they kind of the way they're saying they beat him is, yeah, but like in the process of making us miserable, you gave us an opportunity to actually like be together and have a happy ending that we were never going to get without you. Good flick. Maybe the best Matrix movie? Hmm. 
<laughs> it's not, it's certainly not the best uh, action movie in the Matrix series. Certainly not. It's certainly not the best uh, at having uh, mind-blowing twists. Yeah. It's not the best at having uh, philosophical discussions with the Merovingian. But it might be the best as, like, a character piece. I think you're probably right about that. I think it's got the best character work of, of the series. Yeah, I... I like I said I need to rewatch the original trilogy, but yeah, I I just have had smiles in my on my face ever since seeing this movie. Whenever I think about some of the things in it, and I cringe at a lot of the stuff. Uh huh. But it is outweighed by the smiles. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. It's it's tough because I definitely agree. Character wise, it is is probably the strongest movie. It is a stronger just story than Reloaded or Revolutions. But there's something about the way that those two movies are kind of broken that makes them a lot of fun to think about and talk about in a way that this movie isn't so much. You know what I mean? So, and maybe part of it is just I'm seeing this as an adult where I saw those movies as kids. I don't know if this one's going to like stick with me the way those ones did. I had a good time with it and I don't know how much it's going to like become just a a fixture in my head the way those movies were. And again, that might be an age thing. Uh how would you rate this movie with a letter grade, Luke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go with an A minus. Okay. Ashley, how about you? I'm going to go with an A. Yeah, I think I'm g- I'm going to go with an A as well. Exactly as good as The Matrix 1999. Yeah, I also agree it's exactly as good as The Matrix 1999. It's just that I think both those movies have problems. Weirdly have the opposite problems of one another, where, like, Matrix 1999 has really great world building and, like, cool ideas, great action, fun fights, but the character stuff kind of falls flat. And then this one has really good character stuff and the other stuff is doesn't quite get there for me that's why i agree with the statement that this kind of completes the series because i think next time i rewatch those movies the neo and trinity stuff is going to work a lot better knowing that it leads up to this i can see that sure yeah 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 um we have a few questions about the matrix resurrections all right yeah maxi asks what simple three-dimensional object would you like to be made of Oh, like if I was a program? Hmm. What about like little like triangular pyramids, like D4s, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I like triangles. Um, I, I think I might go with like a, a, a cube. Sure. Can't go wrong with a cube. Yeah. I think I might go with some kind of a rounded crescent moon. Ooh, fancy. Ooh. Ina asks, do you think that if Neo shaved his beard, he would do it gradually and make different beards and mustaches like you see some guys do? <laughs> And make it look like Cyphers and do an impression of him before he went fully clean shaven. It yeah, it's it's like when you uh, are like yeah, when you're shaving, you do a lot of impressions of famous people who had those mustaches, and he will definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, that's too delightful for it not to be canon. You know who they should have called for this movie is Joey Pants. They should have called Joey Pants. There's no good reason for him to be in this movie, but I don't care. Every movie needs a good pair of pants. Every Joey Pants should be like the fucking actor who plays Neo in the video game. There you go. <laughs> he got what he wanted at the end. <laughs> Everyone is redeemed. He no, you know what he should have done? He should have been he should have played Neo's like fake face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't even draw attention to the fact that it's Joey Pants. 
Like, don't make it, like, Cypher. It's just like, oh, in the mirror, people see Cypher when they when they see Neo. Yeah, I, I do like that, you know, it's it's uh, Carrie on Moss's husband and then fake, yeah. fake Keanu is her husband. <laughs> right, right. Hey, you know what character is, is much more important than Captain Roland, who is not referenced in this film, is the kid. That's true. What yeah. happened to the kid? The kid should still be around. He should still be kicking. Where's the kid? Where'd that kid? Especially because, like, the Merovingian scene especially shows a dedication on their part to, uh, specifically bringing back things about the Matrix sequels that people didn't like. So they should bring the kid in. He'd be the, the old man now. Still no name. Quinn asks, how funny is it that the VGAs are in the movie? It's pretty funny. Pretty funny. <laughs> I laughed when I saw that stupid fucking angel statue. I pointed at the screen like, I recognize that. That's the real yeah. thing from yeah. the thing. Or even before the actual statue, just seeing that he, the award he won was specifically from the Game Awards and also from a year in which the Game Awards didn't exist. <laughs> I enjoyed it. They should have made it the Spike Video Game Awards. That would have been the real yes. icing on the cake. And finally, Crass asks, what are the implications of the Game Awards existing in 1999 inside of the Matrix? Right, okay. Do you think so... Tetris got a Game Award? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that. That's also true. That means that the Game Awards existed from, like, I don't know when they started, like, early 2010s, right? But that means all throughout the 2000s, you've got the Game Awards. Bioshock Infinite totally won a Game Award. <laughs> oh, totally. Let's see, how old is Jeff Keighley? He's, like, <laughs> 40s, right? Okay, he Jeff Keeley is forty-two years old today. He was born in nineteen seventy-nine, which means in nineteen ninety-nine he was only twenty years old, making it unlikely that he had the like experience and cachet to found the Game Awards. Meaning somebody else was responsible for them. Yes, <laughs> who could it have been? I, I hope that it was like you know, like a lot of things where like at first it was just like a bunch of people getting into like a hotel conference room. <laughs> Right. You're like, hey, we'll give each other awards. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, like, then eventually, like, morphed into something bigger. Yeah, yeah. What character from the original Matrix trilogy was reborn as this reality's Jeff Keighley? That's what happened to the kid! Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Kidley! He's Neo's biggest fan. That, yes! It all makes sense! It all makes perfect sense. Ashley, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, you can find me at Yuri Librarian with an underscore on Twitter and a dash on Tumblr. I also have a letterbox at Yuri Librarian, uh, where I write all my, uh, reviews of every, basically every movie I watch. Um, I have watched over 160 movies in this, uh, year. It's a lot of movies. A lot of movies. It's like a movie every other day. Yeah. There was, like, one week where I watched, or, like, one day where I watched, like, eight movies. <laughs> Jeez. You shouldn't live like me. <laughs> uh, but no, I I also am at patreon.com slash Ashley Lee Minor. Yeah, or you should give Ashley your fucking money. Give Ashley your fucking money. Luke, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. You can find other shows that I do on AudioEntropy.com, some of which include, uh, I have recently been on uh, Teenagers with Attitude a bit, which is uh, a Power Rangers recap podcast. Every year I kind of do our holiday bonus episodes where instead of Power Rangers, we watch some shitty movie that I owned as a kid. Uh, This year we're doing Small Soldiers. So, if you want to hear some some real in-depth film criticism about small soldiers, don't listen to that, because that's not what that show is. But it is a fun time. 
Um, you can also listen to Totally Reprise has always been cool, a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast. Well, it's a rewatch for me, and it's a first-time watch for my co-hosts, of which Ashley is one. Yeah. Uh, we're still pretty early on in that. Great time to jump in. It's a fun show. Uh <laughs> We've we've explored such concepts as whether uh, James Twin Peaks is Tavros Homestuck secretly, and whether Dave Cooper spits or swallows. It's a great time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of that one fucking YouTube essay you watched, and how, there were, how Lana is kind of making the same argument as that guy, saying like, you know, you just enjoy watching all the suffering. Why don't you enjoy watching the happy movies that I make? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's... That's almost the opposite of what that guy was saying. It was like, no, you don't get a happy ending. It's sad and it sucks and fuck you for not liking that. Oh, was, he's the analyst. Kinda. Yeah, listen, we could... I, I'm not getting into this now. <laughs> you can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on the uh, Book of Aurora podcast, a sub-series of the Book of Medora podcast, where we usually talk about Zelda games and are talking about the Metroid games. And how the lore of the Metroid game should be extremely simple, but they actually make it really stupidly complex. I don't even think that it's that they make it complex. It's that they didn't care about keeping it straight for very long, so they get a lot of details yes, wrong in every you're game. Correct. Your framing is more correct, that they can't... There's not that many details to keep track of, and yet they lose track of them. They just don't give a shit. That's the thing. They just don't care. Like, Dread might be the first... Japanese developed Metroid where they cared about the lore at all. Oh, it's not a Japanese developed Metroid. I guess that's true. You're right. Mercury Steam is not a Japanese uh, developer. And you can, of course, find me on Eidolon Playtest, the greatest actual play, actual play podcast ever made. That's, that's, yeah. If you're a fan of The Matrix, you might enjoy Eidolon Playtest. There's a lot of similar concepts. Perhaps what if what if I invented my own uh, architect uh, guy whose plan was everybody can jack into their own individual matrix where they are God and can make it however they want. But really, we're still siphoning off. Yeah, because you see, the mobile concept is actually an extension of the train man's mobile avenue. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close off with a matrix joke. I found, I, found a, I found an okay one. I was gonna say, you were having a hard time finding any last time. This comes in from upjoke.com slash the matrix jokes. The cast of the matrix was having a barbecue. The seafood was fresh off the grill. Keanu Reeves tasted it and exclaimed, What is this? It's like charcoal. The cook turned and said, What if I told you? That's why they call me Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, oh boy. Because <laughs> he ah. burned the fish. Yeah, because he burned the fish. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got it. <laughs> I, I followed the joke. Until next time, thank you for giving us another chance. <laughs> Until next time, you think that's pod you're listening to? <laughs> ah!